Welcome to All or Nothing in Real Estate, an exclusive real estate platform created to take your real estate career to the next level. My name is Matt Smith and I run the number 15 real estate team in the nation. For years, I've had mentors and colleagues pour into me and now it's my turn to give back. This is not your typical real estate podcast. I work in the trenches every single day and I'm offering you real advice, no bullshit, no fluff, no theories. These are proven processes that will take you to the next level no matter where you are in your business. My team was also featured as an Inc. 5000 fastest growing company in the nation and I'm also a real estate coach through Cheplak Select Coaching as just another way for me to give back. So I have just one question. Are you ready to give it your all or nothing? Welcome to All or Nothing in Real Estate. This is a podcast, a movement that we are creating in the real estate industry as our way to give back to the industry that has given so much to us. Matt Smith here. I'm team leader of Matt Smith Real Estate Group and founder of All or Nothing in Real Estate. I've got my beautiful wife, Amanda, here. Amanda, say hi. Um, And then we also have our co-host slash videographer for all of our brands, Colin McCluskey. Nice to meet everybody. Hi. So um, guys, all or nothing in real estate, this is a brand, this is a movement that we are creating. Um, I've been very fortunate in my life and accomplished quite a few things that real estate has been the vehicle for me and for Amanda to, to reach some level of success in our life. And so we just really enjoy helping other people. And this is a vehicle that allows us to share that wealth and help more people um, level up in their lives, in their personal life, in their business, whatever it may be. This is a movement that we're able to help more people um, and and just change some more lives. So we're going to start episode one by telling a little story. Um, it's in, uh, I asked Amanda to be here because um, obviously as my wife, um, she was very, very near and dear to me as we were going through the success journey. And it's something that I just wanted to share her perspective to the audience. And I'm just going to start, start this movement, start this podcast with our story. Where did we come from? Who are we? And it's going to get personal. It's going to get real. It's going to get raw. And um, I hope you guys enjoy it. So I'm going to start for this whole bit with uh, real estate agents on a regular basis. Everyone is looking to see how can I do this? Uh, And so being able to hear uh, your story um, kind of gives everybody else hope that they go, can I make it in this world of real estate? And uh, after hearing Matt's story, absolutely. Uh, So yeah, being able to, to hear more of that process gives everyone else hope. That's that's great perspective, Colin. Yeah, so we I have a lot of people reach out to us all the time um, and say, um, I think what I want to do in real estate, or can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And and to that point, number one, after you hear our story, you'll realize that anything in this world is possible, right? So I hope that's something that you guys gather from this, but also that this will allow us to help more people. And that's kind of why we're doing this movement. Um, and so we'll dive more into that as we go. But um, let me just start with a little bit of our accolades and, and why, why I feel like we are um, doing this and why you should maybe listen to some of the stuff, some of the accolades that we've accomplished so that maybe you can put some relevance to what we're actually saying. We aren't theorists. We're actually, um, we run very productive businesses. So we are actually, Matt Smith Real Estate Group is my team, um, and we were ranked number 15 in the nation by Real Trends and Wall Street Journal. Um, and we were also um, in Inc. 5000, fastest growing companies. We were actually in the top third of that list. Last year, we closed 766 transactions um, and are on pace to do way more than that this year on the growth trajectory. Um, and so I say that not to brag, but just to let you guys know, as uh, this isn't 
this isn't theory. Any of this stuff that I'm going to share with you throughout this journey in this podcast, um, I came from very humble beginnings and we are in a, a very, um, very fortunate spot and it's just, we know what we're talking about. And so I just encourage you to listen to see if you can gather something for yourself um, that can help you become better. Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot of people through my journey ask me, well, you may have been born into real estate, right? A lot of successful real estate people are, um, well, my parents had a company and different things like that. But Amanda laughs because um, that's not it it at all. Um, um, I kind of stumbled upon sales, stumbled upon real estate, had absolutely no experience when I started. Um, What about people have asked me, well, oh, you must have bought into a team. You must have bought into a franchise. And absolutely not. We started this from the ground up. We didn't have any money. <laughs> no, we didn't have any money to buy anything. Um, we'll get into that in a second for sure. And then they say, well, maybe you just live in a large area where there's a lot of houses to sell. Um, if you come to our area, your area is bigger than ours. If you sell real estate, I promise. Um, and so I'm here to debunk the myth that you don't need to be in a big market or a big area to have a big successful team. Um, I actually remember uh, one of my mentors, Adam Bailey, um, who we're partnering with in eXp Realty. Um, he came down to do a mastermind with us and he, he called me and he said, hey, dude, what, number one, how do I get to your office? I'm lost. Number two, how are you guys selling that many houses? At the time, I think we were selling three, 350, 400 houses a year. I'm like, what do you mean, man? Like, we talk strategy all the time. You know, you know how we do it. You've helped us build this. And he's like, no, like, I haven't seen a house in two hours. All I see is cows. How do you sell all these houses when these houses don't exist? And so hopefully that puts you into perspective a little bit of what our area is like. Um, it's not a very highly populated city. Um, and it's, so it's possible is my point. That's the only reason I mentioned that is that it, don't let other people's limitations or other people's excuses or your own internal dialogue of, well, I can't do that in my area. I beg to differ. You can. Right. All right. So today, Amanda and I are going to share our story for the, for, for the first time. We're going to share it publicly. Um, so we're going to get real, we're going to get raw, um, get vulnerable, and, and just kind of share because we feel like this is the best way we can help more people. So, humble beginnings. Amanda, do you remember um, the very first house we lived in together? Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. That was barely a house. <laughs> um, it was this, uh, this trailer that that we lived in and it actually sat on um on a sawmill um your family's sawmill and so you you open the door i mean it was literally on the sawmill property you would open the door and sawdust would just come into the house we had sawdust everywhere you could smell it um it was on uh, on a sawmill's property Yep, it was a, a single wide trailer um, that we bought and moved on to the Sawmills property so that I could keep an eye on the place and that's where we worked at the time. And so for anybody that knows it, that a sawmill is, um, you, you learn work ethic very on in a sawmill. Um, and so I'm very fortunate for, for having that experience because I remember I started working in the sawmill when I was 12 years old. Um, $20 a day cash um, is what I did. And so I went there to stack, stack slabs. My grandma owned it at the time. and it was just a way for me to make a little extra money um, during the summers. And at a sawmill, it's important if you guys don't just to put it in perspective, it's kind of like a big assembly line. I remember as a 12 year old kid, I'm coming in there and there's a saw that is taller than me cutting trees into two by fours, right? Um, and so 
to put it in perspective, number one is very dangerous, but the caliber of worker that was there, it just, it, it was just, it was kind of scary to be honest. Um, a lot well, of to put it in even more perspective, like our, our oldest daughter is nine. Yeah. I could not imagine in three years her working at a sawmill. Yeah. That's crazy. And so it's not like, oh, well, his grandma owned it and he got away with just showing up and doing work and getting paid. Like, it's an assembly line and those guys don't let you get away with it. Like, and so when you're stacking lumber, whatever part of the process you're in, if you get behind, the whole operation stops. And so you got to keep up. Um, and so that's where a lot of my work ethic came from is that I didn't have a choice. I had a 12 year old kid, I had to do a 20 year old's job um, and learned how to, how to put in the work and make it happen very, very quickly. Well, so, I mean, you were making $3 an hour, so that's a huge upside on all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good money. Um, yeah. So, but at the time, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it, it taught me a lot more valuable lessons than the money. Um, so I'll just say that. Um, but so, and then I progressed through the sawmill. Amanda and I lived there in the trailer um, and went to work every day and progressed my way up after I graduated high school and, and was uh, essentially running the company. Um, I was just, I was the foreman. I was whatever you want to call it. I was just kind of in charge of making sure that the operation ran smoothly. Um, and fortunately I had Amanda in my life because there was a lot of conversations where we had that growing up, I wanted to run the sawmill. That was my dream, right? That's what I wanted to do. Um, there's some personal reasons behind it and different things, but at the end of the day, the, the important part for this story is that that was my dream job is that I wanted to run the sawmill. And thankfully I had Amanda that was there to challenge my thinking a little bit. Well, that was tough because, I mean, whenever you start in a family business at 12 years old, I mean, by the time you're 18 and you're making, you know, starting to figure out your life and what you want to do, you've, you've been in this family business for six years already. Like, no 18-year-old has invested six years of their life, you know, already in something. So that was, that was super hard for us to talk because you were just always in the mindset of I'm just this is where I'm going to be yep. forever. It's family business. I've been here since I was a child, and I'm just I'm going to run the the sawmill forever. Yeah, I was 100% closed-minded. I'm like I already I know what I'm doing. Like the, the, I'm going to run this. I'm going to own this one of these days. Like that was that was my dream, and I was on the path to do that. Um, but Amanda's challenged me and, and sometimes it wasn't always pretty, right? But we had some we had some arguments and discussions about that multiple times and it just over time I got more open minded to that, I guess, less resistant. Um and when that happened, there was a transition that happened that I just started realizing, well, maybe maybe I can improve myself. If I improve my skill set, maybe some other opportunities will come and we'll just see what happens. And I started really focusing on self development. I started focusing on um, watching the right videos, reading the right books, just trying to learn from the right people. And one of the constant themes that I kept seeing, and I still see it today, and it's so true, you are the average of the people you spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. That was a huge thing for you to learn. I think whenever, wherever it was that you saw that quote, that I think that was a big wake-up call for you. Yeah, absolutely, and it still is. And I mean, you guys um, on the team, I mean, you hear me say it, I say it weekly. Like, it's it's something that has impacted my life and continues to because um, some of my mentors say, you ha are you in the right rooms, right, right. today? And what that, what that correlates to me is, are you hanging around people that are helping you level up in your life? Are you hanging around people that are where you want to be? Um, and so I learned that very early on um, while we were, we were at the sawmill and we were what, 19, 20, somewhere around there, um, just young, dumb kids. And it was 
I just, one day I went to the Psalm and I started looking around and don't get me wrong. Like I liked these guys. They were great people and still are. Um, but I just, I thought, is this what I want for my future family? So Amanda and I've been together talking about family, all of that. Like if I have kids, do I, is this something I want them to be proud of me for? Are these the type of parents that I want to become? Are these, the, is this the type of financial means that I want to be able to provide my fa- for my family? And it just wasn't. And so I just decided that, you know what, maybe there is more. Um, and again, Amanda gets all the credit on that. Do you have anything else you want to add there? Ah, uh, gosh, memory lane. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just, you know, like you said, it was, it was not always pretty conversations. You, I, you were so kind of just closed minded and this is, you know, not only was it your family business, but your grandma started it. Your uncles worked there. Your dad worked there. I mean, it was, this was like a generational thing. And so it was almost kind of expected of Matt, especially because he had been there since he was 12 to take that on. He's out of school now. He's an adult. Um, so it was very, very difficult conversations we had. Um, and I, always loved Matt's family. I, you know, loved, even though it was a crazy life living on a sawmill. Um, but I, I mean, I, I didn't even mind, you know, that stuff, but it was just thinking like, man, this guy has got so much more in him, um, than just, you know, running an assembly line. So there was a lot of conversations. This didn't happen overnight. This took months and months and months. I'm pretty stubborn. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's, that's accurate. But so, did you guys it wasn't hear, easy for Did you, you guys hear what, you, what she just said? So like I said, you are who you hang around. You need good people in your life. She believed in me before I believed in me. I think that's a big part of this lesson is that you need to be around good people that want more for you and realize what your gifts are, what you're capable of. Um, so all of that happened um, and we decided that, you know what, let's take a leap. I think that, I think that there's more that we can do in life than just run a sawmill. Um, and so had to have that conversation with family, um, break some ties. And it, at the time it was in my mind, I knew what I wanted. I was clear in my vision, but how to articulate that to your dad that you've worked there since you were 12 years old saying, Hey, um, I'm leaving. And he's like, well, where are you going? And I said, I don't know. I'm just, no, it's not here. Right. It's, it's one thing to leave because you have this, you know, fantastic opportunity. And so as a parent, you know, it's kind of easy to say, well, you know, I want what's best for you. So yeah, that makes sense. But to say I'm leaving and I don't have anywhere that I'm going, I'm just choosing to leave. I mean, that's, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and it literally the conversation was, I want a career, not a job. I want, I want an opportunity to do more for myself and my future family. Um, and it was, uh, I've already made up my mind. You're not going to talk me out of it. And, and I mean, they tried and they had, again, they were probably looking out for my best interest, right? Like, well, what are you going to do for money? I don't know. I'll figure it out. Like, so, I mean, I, I didn't have it all figured out. I just knew that I couldn't figure it out if I stayed there. So I don't recommend you quit without a plan, but, uh, it worked out for us. So then I ventured into other jobs as we were just going through this journey and found different things that I would do okay at. And then another job would come along or opportunity and we'd do a little bit better. And it just kept progressing through the years. I think you were kind of trying to find yourself a little bit, your, your strengths and what you enjoy, because mm-hmm. all you had known was, was the sawmill. And so when you're trying to look for more of a career instead of a job, you go through this phase of well, what do I want to do? 
what do I enjoy? What what am I good at? You, you don't know until you get out there and start doing it. So, I mean, you, you did play around with, you know, different jobs and stuff. And I think each job you had, you got closer and closer to figuring out that you enjoy, you know, sales and that you were actually very good at it. Who knew? Yeah, right. Yeah, that that would not have been my first choice, um, but by by just dis- doing a little self discovery and just try trial and error, like what do I want to do? Just try it, you know, and it, it just landed on on sales and ultimately landed on real estate. Um, so let's fast forward to now. I'm in real estate. I'm a brand new real estate agent. Um, there was a part in real estate school that they left out. I don't know if you got that part because you're licensed also. You got licensed before me, but um, you don't get paid your first day in real estate. Oh, I wish they would tell more people that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, at that time we were, we were it was a rough patch in our life. Um, we were going through different transitions with me trying to find myself, find different jobs. Um, we, we had a newborn at home. Yes. Um, and... I remember this very clearly, um, and I'm sure Amanda can add to this, but I had a family member come over to visit our daughter mm-hmm. and open the fridge, and and he just looked at me, and he said, what the fuck? What are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, and he like drugged me and opened the fridge. He's like, you don't have any food in here. I'm like, I don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we don't. Um, and so... It was it was a very eye-opening moment because that was just life for us. I didn't realize it was that bad. Like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure yeah. it out. And that was just like a, a very eye-opening moment. We have a newborn at home. I just started a new career in real estate, which you know how well that takes off as, when you first start, right? Um, and we were, I believe, two months behind on our electric bill. Yeah. We were we were so, so unprepared. Like, like, like you said a few minutes ago, do not recommend changing careers without having something else in place and, um, you know, getting ready to have a baby and all this too. So whenever you say newborn, I mean, she was like weeks, weeks old. Like this was the first time a family member came over to see the baby in person. Yeah. Like, so like, and so not to mention, guess what you have to have with a newborn diapers, formula, clothes, all of it. And that shit ain't cheap. Um, so we had some of that. From gifts from friends, and that's where we we didn't have food for ourselves, but right. our baby was taken care of because that was priority, right? But yeah. anyway, um, it was uh, so. I tell you that just to let you guys know that it's sometimes you have to go through tough times to find good times, right? And it's not. So I told you our accolades at the beginning of where we are today, but I I look at things like we were we were completely broke. We had all these trials and tribulations, and all those are a blessing. Because without those, without having to persevere and push through, I don't think we'd be where we are today. But I also want to challenge you guys, if you're listening out there, that don't, don't let other people's insecurities or doubts or fears project onto you. You as a human being are capable of whatever you want to accomplish in this world. And you don't need a silver spoon to do it. You just need work ethic, you need a plan, and you need to just persevere and push through. Um, I think my... My biggest strength is that I just absolutely have zero quit in me. I just don't give up, period. Um, and so it's <laughs> sheer determination is one of the reasons that we're, we're at where we are. Um, and it's, I don't have more talent than anybody. I, don't have, I wasn't gifted anything. It was just, I'm going to figure it out and we're going to make this work. Yeah, I mean, nothing pushes you more than being flat broke and having a family to support. I mean, you, you have to just figure it out, so... Yeah. 
That says a lot about both of your mindset on this. We really, really want this. It wasn't just like, we kind of want this, or this is a little bit hard. No, we're completely broke. uh, You didn't have a lot of things going for you as far as um, things to to move you forward. Yeah. And as you're saying that, Colin, I'm, I'm grinning on the inside because it's crazy to think however many years, I guess, nine, 10 years later now, we created this podcast, this brand, this movement that's called All or Nothing in Real Estate. And as I'm thinking back and telling my own story, I've always had that mindset of all or nothing. If you're going to do it, jump in with both feet or don't do it at all. Yeah. I mean, this is an example of we're going to fucking make this work. Whatever it takes, we're going to make it work. Um, and like it wasn't, there was no plan B. This is going to work. Like we went all in. I mean, so much so to where we, where we didn't have food. Um, we were behind our electric bill, but guess what? We pulled through and made it work. Well, like you can't you get much rough. more all in than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, how many people at that point would stop and go get a quote unquote real job? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. What I was, was close that to like? it. Do what? Uh, Amanda, what was that like as far as like, especially being a mom with a, a, a newborn uh, child, um, to be believing so much in this vision that you're like, Hey, we can't make the, we haven't made the electric bill for uh, two months. What was it that um, made you continue to believe in the, the vision of moving forward towards something new? Because it would have been very easy to give up and to justify even at that point, this is not working. We need to go back to the sawmill or we need to do something different. Right. Well, like Matt said, you know, whenever tough times are our blessing in a lot of ways, if if we hadn't have had it that rough, I I honestly don't think we would be where we're at today. Um, I think we would have just coasted, um, you know, had the the normal eight to five jobs. Um, And I I truly do not think we would be where we're at today. But being at just total rock bottom um, and there's no alternative. I mean, you either figure it out or or what Um, and the the what part I mean we just you know having a newborn baby at home we we didn't have a choice um so it was just figured out but I'd you know like Matt said too naming this all or nothing it's it just makes perfect sense for so many reasons but but that you know specifically too um Matt went all in um and you know thank God that he's got that personality and that drive and that work ethic and I know that that work ethic does stem from the sawmill. And so again, you know, that wasn't some luxury job that he had. It wasn't a, you know, luxury lifestyle that we lived, but those hard times and ugly times and not fun times that, that makes you who you are. Yeah. So we we wouldn't be where we're at without all those things happening. Hard times define you. They define your life. But what do you do with those hard times? That's what matters. Everybody has hard times. If you're out there, if you're listening right now, you've had something hard going on in your life or you have something hard in your life right now. Are you going to be a victim or a victor though? Are you going to let those hard times define you or are you going to let those motivate you to do more? And yeah. we just chose it to motivate us. Um, and so if I remember correctly, um, there was a time where times got so tough that I said, all right, I, I have to support our family. I'm going to go get a job. And you said, no. Right. You need to finish this real estate thing and see it through. Yeah. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, um, and luckily I had a job at the time. Um, now, once we, you know, had a newborn, um, that kind of came to a halt. 
um, for a little while, but I had been working. Um, so we did have, I mean, we had, you know, my paycheck that was coming in, which wasn't much. I mean, it was minimum wage we were living on with the three of us. Um, but it was, it was okay to kind of, you, you don't completely have to go and work at McDonald's just yet. <laughs> Let's just, you know, we don't have food in the fridge, but that's okay. We don't eat a whole lot anyway. Um, we need diapers, clothes, um, and yeah, that's, that's about it. Some water and we'll, we'll survive off of that for, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine being in her shoes, a new mom, all this stuff going on, we're struggling financially and I'm like, all right, I got to go get a job. And she says, no, you need to see your dreams through. Like that's, you need people like that in your life, guys, for real. Like when I say that we wouldn't be where we're at without her, like that's just one of many examples. So thank you for that. Um, all right, so let's back up a little bit and let's share what happened before our daughter was born. So I, I, I don't talk about this very much, and this may be hard to talk about, but um, I just think it's important for perspective. Um, this was still to this day the scariest moment, moment of my life and probably yours too. Um, so we're in the hospital um, and getting ready to have our daughter, right? And everything's normal. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, you have some complications after our daughter's born. Everything, everything goes fine with the birth, birth and all that. And then you start having some complications. Right. And, um, I, I remember that you had to have a surgery. Then you had to have a second surgery. And then that second surgery, um, caused a severe infection. And so how I found out about the infection was um was was what i define as the scariest moment of my life so i remember i'm i think i think Addie is five six weeks old at the time and her and i so amanda stand at the hospital um me and Addie are going back and forth every day because amanda's having these surgeries and she's bedridden she needs to be at the hospital to have the doctors take care of her and so we we're just doing a normal routine packing the diaper bag going and i'm, I'm carrying my carrying my six-week-old daughter in to see her mom right and just go visit like we do every day and all of a sudden I go and I open the hospital door and then like somebody kicks the door closed. And then somebody comes out dressed in like a hazmat suit. And I'm like, what's, what's going on in here? Um, and he's like, we got a problem. I'm like, okay, what's, what hap what's happening? Um, and so they proceed to tell me that, at, keep in mind during all this, I'm holding my six-week-old daughter trying to get her to see her mom that hasn't been able to see her much, come home with her because she's had two surgeries. So it's a very emotional time. And then they're saying, you can't go in and see her. See her. And they said, so her second surgery resulted in a severe staph infection. And unfortunately, it's, that spreads very quickly. That's why we're dressed like this and we can't let you in. I'm like, uh, bullshit. I'm getting in to see my wife and she's going to see her daughter. Um, and we fought back and forth and finally I convinced them we dressed up in hazmat suits and went in to see. But the part that really makes this even worse is literally they told us that you need, we'll let you dress up and go in, but you guys need to go in and say your goodbyes. Do you remember that? Absolutely. And so, <laughs> never forget. What, 
what happened from my perspective, and then I'm love to hear Amanda and share her perspective, but imagine carrying your six-week-old daughter in to see her mom who just had two surgeries. Like, she's supposed to be happy. She's a new mom, right? She's supposed to be home with her daughter, and she's having to be bedridden for six weeks, have two different surgeries. Now she's got this infection, and apparently the doctor just told her she's going to die. And so I just find out this news, and I'm like, uh, what's happening? And so the doctor explains it to me and says, well, so the second surgery gave her the infection. So there's only one antibiotic that gets rid of this infection. And if we give her that, we gave her that antibiotic, but she's allergic to it. And so without this antibiotic, the infection is going to take over her body and she's going to die. Or if we give her the antibiotic, it is going to kill her because she's allergic to it. So she's going to die one of two ways and we can't kill her with antibiotics. I'm like, like just imagine having that news while you're holding your six-week-old daughter, right? That's, that's, that was reality. That was reality for us. And so as, as I'm in having this conversation with Amanda, um, she's literally saying her goodbyes. Like we're dressed in these hazmat suits and this is the last time she's gonna see her daughter, like saying goodbye. It, it's just a, a terrible situation. You wanna light on that at all? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're talking about being, you know, broke and, and things um, a few minutes ago and didn't have groceries, didn't really have any money, um, Matt wasn't working, and we just have a newborn baby. Um, two weeks after, I think, um, I had hers whenever I started getting sick, um, started having a hard time holding her, doing normal things. Um, so then it kind of became difficult for Matt to go and find a job. Um, as each day went on, I got sicker and sicker. Um, so we have no money. Matt doesn't have a job. Matt cannot go out and get a job because he's having to stay home more and more frequently, um, to take care of our daughter because I'm having too hard of a time doing it. So, uh, yeah, I think Addie was about six weeks old whenever I went in and, um, had a, had a surgery 24 hours later had another surgery um, and um, yeah after that the, the recovery was quite some time as well so this this prevented Matt from working for like four more months um, even trying to get a job because we didn't have anyone really to take care um, you know, we, we didn't have a babysitter. You know, my mom might have came, um, Matt's mom, from time to time to help us a little bit, but they had jobs. They had to be working. And it wasn't like just coming to babysit a child. You were having to babysit a newborn, an infant, and have to take care of a grown woman also because I couldn't do a lot of things either. Yeah. Um, so it definitely it stretched out this whole process. It was like, you know, we were already down um, didn't have anything, very worried about what was going to happen to our lives. And then this happens and it was just a huge, it, it was, it was just so frustrating. Um, you know, it's like how much worse can it get? Yeah. Um, because Matt, you know, still can't go out and try to get any work. And, um, it was definitely hard times. Matt's being a single dad and, like you said, going back and forth to the hospital and packing the diaper bag every day and then spending all day with a six-week-old baby in a yeah. hospital. That's not there ideal. There was not a lot of sleep happening in those days. 
there was not a lot of sleep, but I will say whenever I went into that hospital, we definitely had a newborn that was up all night. And I don't know how, but I came home from the hospital a week or two later and this baby, this infant is sleeping through the night. I, it still blows my mind um, how he was even able to do that. I'm like, you're being mom and dad, and we're very young at this yeah. point. I mean, we're, we're in our early 20s whenever we have our first child, so we, we don't know what we're doing. Um, and then teaches our six-week-old daughter how to, you know, sleep through the night. That was the craziest thing to me. <laughs> That's funny that that stands out to you. So, um, but, so back, to, back to a little bit of the story. So it's literally at a moment in our lives where we are, me, Amanda is having to say our goodbyes to her six-week-old daughter and to me. And because the doctors literally said there is just nothing we can do. It's just a matter of time. Like, that's the conversation. Yeah. Um, and then go a f- couple weeks later, right? Well, actually, so this was, this because you were home for a little bit before you went back to have your surgery. So the whole, this is, this is after the whole groceries and the fridge is empty and all of that. This is like two or three weeks after that. Right. Um, and so it, that, that was tough and then it got tougher. Right. And so but and then you're finding out that, you know, I'm supposedly dying and now you're going to have a six week old baby all to yourself. I mean, well, there's, there's just no so way. you know, that wasn't me. <laughs> me having to deal with this by myself was never a, a thought of mine. It was I was just worried about well, you. Right. And, yeah. And how, how can we how, what can I do to help and figure this out? Um, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but um, the doctors didn't like me. I'll just say that um, because I don't take no for an answer. Um, so anyway, fast forward. Um, Fortunately, they found out that the antibiotic, she actually wasn't allergic to it. She just had some rash from the IV, some of the bandages or something. I was broke out. So they, they were giving me this antibiotic and yeah, they put it in my IV and I break out in this rash all over my arm. And so that's whenever they're saying, oh no, you're allergic to this antibiotic. And they had taken this, um, they had done a bunch of testing and found out that there was only one antibiotic that would cure the staph infection and I'm apparently allergic to it. So that's how this whole thing came about of, you know, we don't really have anything to do here. Um, and then a whole day goes by. I mean, I've told my goodbyes to Matt. I've, I've said them to my, my daughter. Um, and then the very next day they find out that I'm broke out in hives from all the stress. I mean, yeah, crazy. It would make sense, um, but it's crazy, crazy to go from our lives are totally changing. My life is going to be over um, in a matter of days to, oh, never mind. You just broke out in hives. You're fine. Yeah. You're going to pull through. But, you know, I had I had done my six-week maternity leave because I had said that I had been working. I did my six-week maternity leave, which was unpaid. Um but as my six week mark to the day that I was supposed to go back to work is when I go in for surgery. So there's so much healing and recovery time and I can't be around anyone for risk that I'm gonna get an infection again. So we've gone this six weeks of me not getting paid, which was our only income. And now we're having to go two more months because I cannot get back to work. Yeah. Um, before I can even start getting my, you know, minimum wage pay 
it was yeah crazy times yeah um tough times don't last <laughs> tough people do right right so we pulled through and um that's the only thing that I will say is is not a blessing of the tough times is that I don't I don't wish that on anybody um, having to go through that part. Um, but um, here we are today. We've got a beautiful family, two beautiful girls, um, and um, life's great, right? Yes. So you can you can pull through. So what's important from that? What I want you guys to realize is that number one, everybody has tough times, right? And it's about how do you respond to those tough times. Are you going to let those tough times define your life? in a negative way, we're going to use them as fuel to get better, right? Um, and it's, it's crazy to me that I just, I, I study, I still am a constant learner. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm always looking to educate myself and learn more. And all these people that I study about, um, like I said, your proximity matters. So whoever you are around matters. And so all these people that I'm trying to be around as my circle is, um, is growing as we're growing through life, um, I just talk to them and I pick out nuggets of every single one of them have had similar tough times, just their own version. And so what I have come to realize is I'm a hundred percent believer. Anybody that is successful and that stays successful has shit like this that happens in their life and they use it as fuel and motivation, not as an excuse. Right. And so if you can get in that mindset and realize that everybody that's where you want to be at in life didn't get there with a silver spoon, right? They got there by hard work, grit, determination, and overcoming these tough times. And so you can too. Um, all right, so let's fast forward. First full, full year in real estate. Um, at this point, didn't have any money, didn't have a choice. Um, she wouldn't let me get a job, right? Let's figure this out. You had this dream, you had this idea, let's make it happen. And so very first full year in real estate, sold, it's either 72 or 74 units. I'd have to check. Um, my very first full year got rookie of the year for our board. Very first year. And hey, now life's great and grand. Problems are solved, right? Yeah. So we thought. <laughs> so we thought. And then ran into another problem. Um, we, uh, at the time, um, our, our leadership, um, uh, he was uh, the broker of the company. I call him Jack. Um, Colin's going to overlay a pretty picture of him on the screen so you guys know who Jack is. For those of you that can't see it right now, there's a picture of a donkey on the screen. No, it's not a donkey, Colin. What is it? <laughs> there's a different word for it that a lot of it's people It's a jackass. So anyway, we worked for, um, we had some leadership that just didn't align with our values and um, just, it was just terrible. It was, we were constantly butting heads. Um, I have a conscience and I believe in helping people and doing the right things. And if people don't align with that value, then I just have zero compromise in my life um, because I'm going to do the right thing no matter what. And so anyway, ran into that and it realized that it, I had to find something different, right? So anyway, let me fast forward a little bit more. So talked about being successful, talked about my first year in real estate. Um, and I remember at one point in time that I had pendings boards um, in my office. And I remember I stole one from the office next door because I don't think there was an agent in it because I filled the sucker up. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I got more pendings. I need another. I need another board to write on. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying that there, there's a there's a reason behind this. And so, and then, um, and Colin can share this screen too. Um, I'm looking at a picture now that has two four by eight. I don't know how however big they are. A typical size whiteboard, right, with very thin lines. There's like forty something clients on there that were in escrow at one point in time as a single agent. 
Like that's how busy I was, which was fantastic um, that I was that busy. But there's a there was one problem that I'll, I'll hit on later is that I didn't have any time, right? Um, and so we've solved that problem now. That daughter that was so important to me that I was holding when I heard the news of my wife's getting ready to die, didn't see dad for a while because dad was out building stuff and I had to find a better way around that. And so well, I'll get that, that makes later. a lot of sense as far as when you guys hit absolute rock bottom, when you said, okay, so what's the option? Either we live or we die at this point. So it makes sense why you were so busy and why you got 72 in a first year for a lot of people who are new agents going, wait, how, how did, how did he do that from uh, having no experience? It's like, well, I got, I have to. And um, so it says a lot about the, the mindset shift that you had. Yeah. I think whenever Matt, you know, got to work and started real estate and figured out that he's good at real estate. Um, we had no idea, but it's, <laughs> it's just so she's funny. Still surprised. It's just, it's, it's so funny to think back, you know, I, I couldn't imagine you doing anything else. Um, yeah. so it's, it's just funny, but because it was new to me. And I mean, I was, when I started real estate, I was just a dumb kid. Like I didn't know anything. Yeah. But whenever he, you know, gets in and he's, things are going so well and you, you know, see how much he's doing. I, I think that there was probably a moment where I'm going to speak for you, but probably, you know, you get scared of what we just came out of. And you know, the back of your mind that you're working so many hours and you're staying away from home, you know, longer than what you want to. And you're not seeing your family as much as you want to, but there's this, still this part of you that it's like what we just went through, we're not too far away from that yet to feel comfortable. Like I, I have to keep going and get so far past that, that I don't have to worry about that ever happening again. And that first year was, was tough because you just kept going 100%. and going and going. And I think it was probably to just make sure that we never ended up back in that. That's so funny again. you say that. Cause I don't think we've ever talked about that. No. But that's spot on. Like my mindset was, yeah, that's cool. You have you have twenty pending contracts. Like that, that's enough to pay the bills and then some, right? Um, that's a great income. But what if? Yeah. What did you just come off of? And I I just told myself I am never fucking going back there again, ever, ever. It's not happening. And so what do I know? Go back to my roots. Work ethic. Get back to work. Keep going. Yeah. It's not over yet. Right. And so, uh, I mean, um, again, back to the blessings of the hardships, right, is that because of the work ethic at the sawmill, because of the lessons learned during our rock bottom is a big reason we were able to propel as as a single agent to be very successful and then beyond. Right. Um, but there's also another important moment. And maybe you can help sh shed some light on this because I, I get a little gray in this area. I wish I could remember what happened. And maybe you do. But I remember as an agent, I was, I'd walk in my office, I'd look at those pinnings boards and I'd have a little calculator and I'd, every morning, even if nothing was added, it was just my routine because I was focused on the money and I would, I would calculate all the money. I do it times my split times all that and say, all right, that's how much I have in pinnings, which number one is stupid as a real estate agent because you don't get paid until it closes. <laughs> yeah. um, but number two, it was, it just shows where my mindset was. It wasn't, it wasn't looking at the Jones family or the Smith family or, or whatever. And how, how am I helping them and their family? It was a, how much money am I making off of them? And a lot of that had to do with Jack, to be honest. That's yeah. how I was taught. That's just what I was taught. Well, you do, you do this uh, again, learn from lessons for me is I was taught you do what's best for the company and for yourself and the client will be okay. 
which is the exact opposite of how you should run a business. It's always what's best for the client is best for you. Um, so I had, a, I had a moment where I just remember I walked into the office and something had to happen. But it's again, I'm always growing and, and, and working on my self-development and learning. And it's I had an epiphany and I said, what if I just quit focusing on the numbers it was probably an argument with Jack. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what happened, but um, something happened to where my mindset completely shifted. So much so that I'm an extremist, right? When I make up my mind, I do it all or nothing. And so I remember taking my calculator and throwing it in the dumpster outside. I don't need a calculator anymore. I'm going to focus on the families and see what happens. Yeah. And when I made that mindset shift, my life has never been the same since. It's night and day difference. You can say, you can make the argument, whatever, that, oh, you had all these pendings when you were focused on the money. Half of those fucking fell through because I wasn't doing what's best for the client and I was trying to do everything I could to do CPR in the transaction to keep it together versus taking my time, taking the client through the right process and finding them the right property for themselves. I would do whatever I could to sell my way into the, get them getting in our contract because that was my benefit, right? I've learned my fucking lesson since then and all my agents know like we don't do that. That's not allowed. Like we do what's best for the client. But it was this moment that I turned, my mind shifted and I, so much so I took the calculator and I threw it in the damn dumpster. I said, no more calculator. I'm not calculating commissions ever. And I still don't do it. Which was huge for us because I mean, you were always, again, just wanting to make sure we never went back to where we were. And also, I mean, growing up, never, you know, having, like, we didn't, we weren't born into wealthy families. Um, so whenever you're never used to having a whole lot of money and then you do finally get it, I mean, that's that's very difficult to then just say, well, I don't care about the money anymore. Yeah. I mean, this was only your first year into real estate. It was very exciting and crazy that we were actually making money. So it, it was a big shift for you, enough to have you know, all those experiences and then just say, I don't care about the money anymore. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm here to encourage you that, yes, money's important. I like money. With more money, I can help more people. But if you focus on the money, you're doing it wrong. I'm just here to tell you. And my personal experience, when I stop focusing on the money and I focus on how can I help more people, the money tenfold. Everything the opportunities, the, the, the fulfillment that you get by actually helping people, everything changed and it's never been the same since. So um, take that lesson for me is throw the damn calculator away and focus on how can I help more people. Yes. Um, so then um, I had a brilliant idea as, I'm, as a lifelong learner. Um, a real, I heard of this cool thing called a real estate team. And Amanda loves my brilliant ideas. And so um, we talked about starting a real estate team. She's like, well, how are we gonna afford it? I was like, well, I gotta hire an assistant. Well, how are we gonna pay for them? I don't know. And this is the first person that we are now financially responsible for. I mean, we, we barely knew how to be re financially responsible for ourselves. Yeah. And now we have someone else that is relying on us. That, that was terrifying for me. That was so <laughs> I terrifying. Yeah. I, I remember that was, uh, it was uh, not an easy conversation, but I, I think what sold you on it is that, I had the conversation on, we, we need to do this so we can help more people. Right. Like, and, and at the end of the day, you and, you and I values align 100% and we want the same thing, right? And that's to change lives and help more people. And so it was a first hire of an assistant when we, we didn't have our shit together, right? Um, and 
it was, uh, we made it work. Um, but anyway, so it started, I started, had an idea that I wanted to start with the team. And so, um, I remember I went to Jack, um, and I said, Hey, um, here, I'm rookie of the year. I set records for our board. I did all this as an individual agent. I want to keep the momentum. I want to keep growing. And I remember him looking me straight in the face and he said, who the fuck do you think you are? This is my company. That was the conversation. And I'm like, wow. Okay, I thought we were in this together. If right. I just make a sale, we both make money, man. I thought we were in this together. Um, but because um, I went to him and I, I didn't ask for more money. I just said, hey, I have an idea. I think I can help more people and we can grow together. I can start a team. I already got an assistant. Like, what if I bring on some buyer's agents? Because that was the next hire, right? And, and I can bring more people into the company and we can grow together. And that, that was the response. Yeah, and we, we weren't asking him to pay, nope. you know, for anything. This was all going to be... At our expense, I mean, he was he was going to benefit, so it was it was just crazy. Um, we were not prepared to just get shut down like that. Yeah, but this is also <laughs> yeah, whatever. Jack. Shit. No, this was also <laughs> the the same person that told me to my face, "Hey, I'm going to the awards committee meeting, and you and I both won awards. Um, you got this award, I got that award." Um, and then he went to the awards meeting and said, hey, how about we just combine them since my office won them both and just give me the award. Yeah. Literally took an award away from me so that he could get the accolades. So he did not want me to grow. Anyway, yeah. long story short, that's why we call him Jack. But um, it's one of those things that, again, that was a huge blessing. Working for somebody like that taught me so many lessons. Most people would sit and whine and complain and say, oh, that was terrible, that was this, that was that. But I look back and reflect on that and say, thank God I worked there. Yeah. Because if I would not, if I would not, again, back to the hardships, if I would not have taken that and realized this is the stuff that he does that I don't agree with, we would not have the culture, the company, the, the alignment of the people that we're able to, to work with every day be a part of this. Culture would not be as important as it is. I 100% agree. Like without, and like focusing on the money, without seeing what that does to people, without me seeing how people that turns people into, we would not be where we're at today. And so that was a huge blessing, another turning point on focus on the right things, right? Focus on helping people, build a good culture, do what's best for the client, do what's best for the community, and let's see what happens. And we've never changed those values, yeah. and we've grown year after year after year. Um, and just be honest, I think it's primarily because we are aligning with the right people because they believe in the values. They don't have to bullshit their way through something. They, they want to be a part of what we're doing because what we're doing matters. And it just makes a big difference. So I was looking at, all right, I'm going to start a team. I'm not working for Jack anymore. I already made up my mind. Um, I got to leave. I got to go work somewhere else. Um, and I started looking around and again, we're in a very small area. And so um, you and I had several conversations. I called all the brokers in town and said, all right, I'm hunting. Where, what do you got? Um, and none of them, this sounds very condescending, but I don't mean it that way. I have, I have so much respect for everybody in our area that we work with, but I looked around and called all the brokers and looked at everybody that was sitting in the broker seat. And I said, all right, I just had this terrible experience with Jack and I'm not going to handcuff myself or my family again. So I have to make sure that who I align with aligns with my values and will have the same vision on life that I have. And at that time, there just wasn't anybody. Nobody did. And so what we did is started a team and we ended up partnering with um, a different company under, under a different umbrella that was 
allowing us to start. That was their word. Remember, they allowed us yeah. to start a team in their company, um, and um, <laughs> and it was the the lesser evil at the time. Yeah, um, is kind of what we chose, um, and more on that story in a minute. But that was that was really the start of the team, and so. I remember we formed Matt Smith Real Estate Group. We um, we grew from two people, me and you, um, to twelve people very quickly. Um, imagine that our concept of the theme, taking care of people, doing the right thing. People wanted to come yeah. and join us. Like we didn't recruit anybody. Our phones were ringing. Hey, can we do that too? Yeah. Like and so it was. It, it was one of those things that it grew very quickly. And so then it very very quickly again started hitting my head on the ceiling. Agents, I'm telling you right now, if your owner is competition to you, you're in the wrong fucking plot, spot. Don't be there. If your owner sees you as competition, get the fuck out of there right now because that is not an environment for you. And that's what I kept seeing is as I got more successful, they were like knocking me down a peg. Oh, don't do that. You can't do that. You need to be working for a company that empowers you and lifts you up um, because that will help you change your life forever. And so, the new owner started seeing me as competition. They started taking leads from me that I was supposed to get from their lead flow stuff. They, it, it was, uh, um, then they wanted to charge me office rent because we grew too much. I'm like, you make a money off, way too much money off all my transactions already and you provide no value. And so anyway, it was just another headbutting contest. And so it was time to leave. And so we found uh, this cool little cloud brokerage at the time. Um, it's called EXP Realty. And we decided to, after I turned it down for the first time, because I didn't understand it, um, we decided to partner with eXp Realty um, and opened up our own office. Well, we were renovating an office to lease to move into. And word got around in a small town and the new broker at the time found out, called me in a meeting and he said, so I hear you're, you're, I hear you're leaving us. I'm like, yep, sure and am. And he called you in that meeting at about what, like two in yeah. the afternoon? Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> somewhere around two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and he said, well, all right, well, sounds good. Get your shit and get out. I'm like, okay, whatever. Not how I would have handled it, but whatever. And then I'm get up and walking out the door and he says, wait a minute. By the way, those 97 listings that you have, all of those pending contracts that you and your team have, they're mine. Don't fucking call them or I'll sue you. In Missouri, as a broker, yeah. you own those, right? So that, that's, um, that, that's how it happened. And so... But Nine. we all had like three hours yeah. to completely remove all of us, furniture, all of our personal belongings, everything. Yeah. Three hours, all of us, the entire team of what we were at, like 12 or 15 at this point, um, yeah. trying to call all of our team members. I mean, they're out on showings. They're not even in, you know, the office. Hey, you got to hurry up and get back here. Or, I mean, I'm going to be putting your stuff in the car for you because we got three hours to leave yeah. or the cops are getting called. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, and so um, the then the broker goes to my team members and has a closed door meeting with them as I'm scrambling, moving shit or what, around, right? Trying to get, get stuff out of there, get stuff organized and, uh, and convinces them to stay because if they stay, he'll let them keep their transactions that are my transactions under my team and he'll pay them. Well, they have families, they need paid, right? So half the team didn't come. Not because they didn't want to, because they were handcuffed and they needed money. Yeah. And so... This is the second time. So the transition from Jack, um, all my listings, all my pendings, they stole from me. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Two times now. Second time was more because we grew a team and it was more. Um, and remember where we came from. When I say hundreds of thousands of dollars, I don't say that lightly because we came from, we didn't have any food in the damn fridge two months behind our electric bill. 
right? Like, so that was a lot of money. But at the end of the day, my, our decision was to, I don't negotiate on my values, period. And I don't line with these people's values, so whatever the consequence is, I'll fucking deal with it, but I gotta sleep at night. And being aligned with these people is not gonna be it. And so they, I can't control what they do, I can only control what I do. And so the world has its way of working itself out. Um, we outsell both of those offices uh, by uh, a, a lot these days. And so what goes around comes around because we do, we do the right thing. But at the end of the day, those aren't easy decisions when you leave because especially when you know they're gonna take your money. And so they, in, per Missouri statutes, they do own it as a broker, but it's not the right thing to do, right? Um, it, was, it was really was my listing. Um, so anyway, moving on. You remember that? You remember that conversation at all? Um, oh, moving to our yes. new office, partnering with EXP, and so what really sucked was we had to start from absolute zero. So we started from absolute zero now three times in about four years. So when I say absolute zero, absolute zero is brand new to real estate yeah. from no behind on our electric bill, right? Yeah. Then become successful, rookie of the year. And Jack, I want to start a team. Run into Jack. Well, now let's start over again. Yeah. And by the way, I'm going to take everything that you've built. All your pipeline is mine. Build a team. Go from, from two people to 12 people. Get 97 listings as a team. Dominating the market. We're going to keep those because you're wanting something better. Yeah. And then after we did leave, well, because then the whole team shows up at our house to go to work. In our basement, at our ping pong table. So then we're like housing literally 40 hours a week. All these people at our house, which was great in the beginning, but <laughs> it, it gets to a point where I'm like, ah, I love you guys, but whew, that was tough. But the, the brokerage um, that we had just left, they had held all of our licenses, everyone's real estate licenses hostage. Yep. So even though we were done, cut ties, all right, fine, we're going to start all over, we're going to do our own thing, we didn't have real estate licenses. Nope. They told us that they sent them, in, um, sent them to the commission. Um, come to find out they didn't. So we had to send a certified letter to get it. It was a whole disaster. It's so a, it was we at were least like, two weeks. We were two weeks handcuffed. We didn't have real estate licenses. We couldn't do anything. Start Try to start a new team in your basement after losing 97 listings. All your pending's gone and you don't have a real estate license. How are you starting a company? And oh, by the way, we're spending a lot of money building out a new office yeah. for this team that we have an idea of for, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. It's it's not easy, but it's worth it. But here we are. Um, that was just three years ago. So from our basement to number 15 in the nation in three years. It's been a crazy ride. Right now we have a team of 25-ish agents. Yeah. Um, last year we had 20 agents. We, we've got we've gotten more and we've, we're, we're growing too. We've got more coming that are in the pipeline um, wanting to join and different things. So um, we ranked number 15 in the nation. We were top third of the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies, which to me is just amazing. I remember seeing Inc. 5000 like plaques and magazines yeah. and we're in it. It's what pretty crazy, dream. right? Yeah. Especially when you say, so say we're saying just real estate companies number 15, like that's, that's amazing accomplishment. But to me, the difference is in our area, like to be Inc. 5000 for the whole country like not just real estate specific, like just companies, period. It's a pretty amazing feat. Um, and we closed 766 units last year and we'll do way more than that this year. So now let's get into 
how did we do it, right? So um, that was a very long story, but I wanted you guys to kind of understand where we come from, who we are, get to know us a little bit. Um, it's and hopefully inspire and motivate you to want to do more for yourselves, right? So I think I brought your mindset on several different times there. You had the point, do I keep moving forward or do I walk away? You hit the, the bottom of the barrel several different times. I can think of um, several moments where it's like, nope, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm, I'm done. Um, I, I lost my, I lost half my team. I lost my pendings. I lost my license. Forget it. Um, but it says a lot about changing your mindset will change your life. Yeah, we, we actually had that conversation that that last time, whenever we got kicked out three hours to leave, we got stripped of all of our real estate licenses, half of our team left, we had no money um, because, you know, all those those sales we had that were, you know, coming in, we planned on we planned on getting those. Um, so we've got an office now we're renovating where contractors are putting their hand out saying I've still did the work. Um, I need paid and we've got all of these people now coming to, to work in our basement every day looking at us saying uh, w what are we going to do? How are you guys going to get me work? When are you, am I going to get my license? Um, we definitely had that talk of I mean this is just kind of getting to be a lot. This is the second time with a real estate company we've had to just start yeah. over. And there, there was a time where, and I don't, I don't remember if we had this conversation or if this was just internal, but there was a time where I literally sat in quiet and just thought, there's a common denominator here. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem, right? What kind of self-reflection does it take for all of this to be happening and for you to like, literally, I'm like, all right, let me dissect this. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe everybody else is doing it right and I'm doing it wrong. And then at the end of the day, what I kept coming to the solution of is what are my intentions? And my intentions are I'm trying to help more people. I'm trying to do the right fucking thing to help more people. And just because I run into assholes that steal money, lie, cheat, and steal, that's not a reason for me to quit. That's a more reason for me to keep fucking going. Yeah. And that's ultimately the decision that we made. And thank God we did. Thank so God. if someone else wants to do make this change for themselves, uh, what are the four pillars of uh, being able to kind of move towards that? Yeah, so I think, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but just to break it down, I think there, if we break it down into four, four secrets to success, number one, you need to have a vision. You need to be able to visualize what it is you want. And when I say a vision, it's not just, oh, I have a vision board. Yes, vision boards are great, but you really need to sit down and think about what it is you want and why do you want it as a leader, as, as somebody? So all of you are leaders, whether you run a team, whether you're a single agent, whether you're an agent on a team, it doesn't matter. Everybody's a leader in some way, shape or form. There are people in your life that look up to you as a leader, period. And so it's your job to lead. And so you have to be a good leader. You have to have a good vision. You got to be able to articulate that vision. They have to be able to understand what it is that you want and why you want it. So without a good vision, the rest of it doesn't matter. But Colin, you referenced it too, is mindset. Um, I say it all the time internally is everything good in life starts with mindset. If you change your mindset, you can change your life. Period. You have to change your mindset. Um, and part of that, but a different play is mental toughness. Um, is you have got to have the perseverance and the grit to push through when times get tough. Yeah. And if you don't, then life will knock you on your ass. But it's not how many times you get knocked down, it's how you get back up, right? I think that's the biggest one because no one has a smooth life all the time. Yeah. 
everyone always has hiccups. You've you've got to be able to to get over that. Yeah, and th- and then number four is people. I've come to realize that because of these blessings in my life where other people didn't admire their people or think they were important, um, it made me realize how important people are in your life. Not just like your your family, which obviously is important to everybody, but like there there are people that believe in your vision, that are part of your company, that instead of looking at them as replaceable, they are your number one asset. Without them, you can't do anything great. And so my transition into business my transition to running a team when it really took off was when I realized I am not in the real estate business. As a leader, I am in the people development business. It is my job to help other people learn these skill sets and develop so that they can do more for themselves and their family. And when they are able to do that and I'm able to help them change their lives, guess what? Exponentially, it helps everybody and everybody wins. And so, I, I mean, I had a coaching discovery call this morning with a lady that um, she's like, I, I'm still the lead, lead agent on my team. Like, I have a team. We closed 200-something sides last year, which is fantastic for a real estate team. She's like, but I'm still the top producer. I'm like, well, the good news is I know what the problem is. The bad news is you're the problem. Yeah. Because you got to let go. you got to teach your people how to do that, you know. Um, and so it's, you just got to build that trust in your people. All right, so vision, mindset, mental toughness, and people. So let's start with vision. So I kind of broke this down, but you have to be able to see it before it happens, right? It's not a, oh, well, let's, when I said we, we risked it and let's see what happens, I'd already visualized in my mind what I thought it would look like. Am I always right? No. But it's one of those things that you have to be able to visualize what do you want in your life and not just what, but why. Why do you want that, right? And so if you want all these fancy, like, million dollar watches and all these nice cars and private jets that's cool right like go good for you but why do you want those things because that's the stuff that you need when you're in those darkest moments because what's going to happen is if you get that watch now what you're going to stop you need to visualize why you want it right Um, and so this is a big one for me too is focus As you're growing an organization, as you're growing a business, I am, one of my gifts is finding holes and finding things that we can improve, no matter what it is. And I'm always, even if I don't try, I find something, I'll walk down the hall and I'll be like, oh, if you do it this way instead of that way, it would be better. I'm just, it's just one of my strengths is being able to do that. But what I've realized is that you can only focus on so many things. And so team leaders, entrepreneurs are the worst at this myself included, is you just speed and spread. You go wide. I want to encourage you to go deep on things. And so what I mean by that is if you, if everything is important, nothing is important. You have to limit your focus. Not everything can be important at once. What is the most important? See that through, master that, then add the next one. Because what happens is, is you become the, the, the jack of all trades and master of none. Yeah. Right? What are you known for? What are you great at? Go all in on that strength. Um, and part of your vision too, you need to include your team. If you don't have a vision big enough to where people that are underneath you can see themselves succeeding in it, then the vision isn't going to work. It's not about you. It's about the others. Yeah. I just think about so many stories, you know, so many people on our team that, you know, we've, we didn't used to share a lot of stuff in we the beginning. To. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, 
you know, in the last, you know, couple of years or so, we've gotten a lot better at that. And just, it's like finding out little things about the people on our team, them hearing what our plans are and what our visions are and, and, and dreams. Um, people come to us and, and they're like, wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that you guys were thinking about that. I didn't know that was a plan. Well, I'd really like to talk to you about that. I actually have experience in this and that yep. that I never put on my resume and you guys didn't know about. And we've had people that have really blossomed and, you know, created like completely different careers um, within our team just from us sharing our vision with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's an important aspect, too, is that it's don't we made that mistake. We were afraid to share what we pictured us getting to, whether it be we were fortunate enough, we bought a lake house for our family. We were scared to death to post it on social media because yeah. of we didn't want the naysayers and the haters or whatever you want to call them, like just looking down on us because we were we were able to do that for our family. But instead what happened is now it inspired other people on our team because we're aligned with the right people that they want to do that too. Right. And so don't be scared to, to do that. It, if, if you're scared to do that, you're probably around the wrong people. Well, on a quick note on that, uh, not only did it inspire them, uh, several on the team have actually been moving towards that. And I believe, uh, was it Warren and, and them yeah. have been recently moved to Lake as well. Yep. So it, it doesn't just, uh, inspire, it creates action. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another thing too, for vision is most people will tell you all these gurus out there will tell you, well, you got to work on your weaknesses, improve your weaknesses. I'm here to tell you it's bullshit. Don't forget your weaknesses, find your strengths. What are you good at? And go all in on your strengths. And then guess what? Find great fucking people that their strengths are your weaknesses that share your vision, share your alignment. And now everybody's going to be happy. The client, the customer, whatever business you're in is going to be way better. Everybody's going to be able to have tunnel vision on what it is they're good at. They're going to enjoy their job. They're going to do better at their job and everybody wins. It's your weakness for a reason. It will never be as good as your strength. Why the hell are you worried about it? Don't get me wrong. There are times that you have to do some of your weaknesses, but majority of the time you don't have to find good people to do that so that you can go all in on what you're good at. Oh, that, that's definitely been huge for us. I know there's things, whenever you first started out and you were just a single agent, I mean, you were having to do everything and some of the deals were falling through because you were not good at certain stuff. Now, Thanks we have for me out. other people that <laughs> no, do those things. True. It's so true. We have other people that love that stuff, that yep. are good at that, that wake up every day and can't wait to come to work to do that stuff. They do it so much better. Yep. We've, we've had to kind of go through this. We, we do this every quarter um, with all of our people, kind of finding out, you know, if it's still things that whatever they're doing, I mean, are they still enjoying it? Do they like it? Are they good at it? And we've had to change some roles a little bit um, because people, once, you know, you ask yourself that question, do I actually enjoy what I'm doing and am I even good at it? We've had to change some roles in the office, but it's been so beneficial. Yeah. By doing that, just finding, making sure people are not doing, you know, things that's that they're they're not great at. But for new business owners, I'm sure that's that's scary as far as saying, oh, well, one of my uh, this person that I've trained in this position, um, how about switching them to something completely different? But uh, Amanda, in your case, um, being able to to not have to be the financial uh, department anymore. Oh, I know. Um, that's definitely changed things. I know. I we 
kind of all of leadership when we, we do this, you know, with all of our people, well, leadership, um, we kind of did it with just each other. And it got to me and I was kind of doing HR stuff and doing all of the accounting, the whole finance department um, for the team. And they're asking me, you know, do you, do you enjoy what you're doing? Do you feel like you're good at it? And I was so honest in that meeting and told everyone, <laughs> I do not enjoy it. I don't like it. I did not go to school for this stuff. I, I get by. It gets done, but I don't like it. And now we have someone that does it, and she loves it. She She's excited to do that stuff every day. She's eager. She doesn't put it off like I did because I didn't enjoy it. And she's better at it. Um, than, than I was. So it's it's just so much more beneficial for the whole company. I'm happier because I'm not doing it now. She's happier. Our numbers are probably more accurate now too. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple parts I want to dissect there is that you, you have to make sure that, so Colin, you said something that sparked in my, in my brain because it's, I talk to a lot of agents on a daily basis, whether internal, external, coaching, whatever. Um, and it's, most agents have the, if they are somewhat successful, they think they're the only ones that can do it their way. And I was one of those. What I've come to realize, and I want you to learn from my mistakes listening here, is that you have got to find great people that, and let them do it their way. As long as they know what the end goal is, you have to empower them and let them do it their way. And so one of the things that I try to do, and I encourage all of you guys to do, is wake up every single day and replace yourself. If you can wake up every single day, replace yourself. That's your goal. I remember having conversations with employees and they would look at me like, what do you mean replace myself? Well, then what am I gonna do for a job? I'm less valuable. 1000% the opposite. If you can replace yourself and duplicate yourself, that allows your company to scale and grow and you are one of their largest assets now because you can repeat yourself and so that they can grow quickly. It's a huge asset, no matter where you're at in an organization. And so always wake up, try to replace yourself. We have a saying too on our team, and this goes to operations, goes to agents, whatever, but if no one told you how to do your job, how would you do it? And so the reason behind that is if you come in and you're, Colin's our videographer. Colin comes in and I say, here's our checklist for how to do videos, but Colin has no creative flexibility when he's the expert on that he's not going to be empowered to do it how he wants it to improve the product. He's just going to come in and check the box. I don't know about you, but I don't want people that come in and just check the box, no matter where they're at in an organization. I want people that are empowered that this is your baby. I'm here to support you. Here's, here's the end result that we want. You have creative freedom to get there. Don't get me wrong. We have systems and processes for everything, but at the same time, we give them that freedom to think outside the box and ask themselves, if I didn't have this checklist, what would I do different? And then now guess what? We update the checklist with that new way. Because where companies go to die is, well, that's how we've always done it. Don't ever do that. We don't, right. as you say that around here, you're getting pied in your face or something. Like we just don't allow it. It's just, it's just not how we work because we're always evolving to improve our process, to give our clients a better result, to give our agents a better opportunity, et cetera. And so one of the ways that I, I, use, a, I use a rule, it's a sev, either sev, between 70 and 80%. Um, it's an art, not a science. But if I can bring somebody on and they can do 70% of the job, then it's, it's okay for me to let them do 70% of the job, figure out the other 30% for themselves, and then I'll go to the next one. And so if you're an agent out there thinking about growing a team from the ground up and you just want to hire your first buyer's agent or whatever, they're never going to do it 100% like you do. So give up. 
Yeah. Teach them the basics, teach them how, and then give them that creative freedom. Um, culture over sales. Culture has to come first. Uh, in our organization, Always. every time. As a leader, any decision that we make, any, the first question we ask ourselves is, is, it's best, is, is this what's best for our culture? Yeah. The last question we ask is, how does, that, how does that affect us financially? Because without the culture, the finances are irrelevant. And if you don't have that mindset, you're in trouble. Because companies like ours will eat you for lunch. Because our people will, will believe in what we are doing and work their tails off to help our culture improve. Versus just doing it for the dollar. There's a huge difference. It's a movement. Yeah, I mean, we hire off of our core values. Yep. It's it's never about skill for us. If you look at our team, it's, I mean, the majority, almost everyone on our team didn't have any prior real estate experience. Do you remember we did the town hall? Colin and I talked about this yesterday. Uh -huh. We did the town hall and just off the cuff, I said, I'm looking around the room and seeing a lot of new agents. Raise your hand if you had zero real estate experience before coming here. And like three quarters of the room hand raised. I'm like, yeah. holy cow. Like, so don't be afraid to hire new people. Like, yeah. to be honest, I, I like new agents. But that's, that's, what's, that's what we focused on. It's more important to us to hire for our core values. Yep. We want to make sure that you're a good person. Uh, you're a good human being um, that we want to be around. I mean, we can teach you how to sell real estate. If you're eager to learn, we can teach you how to do that. Yep. But you, you have to be a good person. I mean, we hire off of core values. We fire off of them we i mean how we how we talk to each other it's all in our our yeah. core values and our culture and that's probably why we have the best culture the absolute best it's getting better every day it is i love it um all right so real estate agents listen to me for a second if if you think that your job is to sell people you are doing it wrong your job is not to sell people your job is to help people Anytime you, you would use the word sell, replace it with help, and I just made you three times the amount of money that you're already making. Because people know what your true intentions are. People know what your motives are. And you're not tricking them. There's so much information that we live in information overload. You cannot trick a consumer into doing something because you're a great salesperson. You may trick them once, but you don't think they're gonna find out two months later? And you, you think they're gonna send you referrals or other business? You think they're gonna give you repeat customers? Absolutely not, because they feel taken advantage of. They feel like the sleazy car salesman, right? As a real estate, part of what I'm doing this movement for is to help the real estate agents and the real estate community as a whole get better. So stop that shit. Stop fucking selling people and focus on how can I help this person. Sometimes helping that person means, you know what? I don't think this is the right house for you. <gasps> You're gonna cost me a sale? Yes. Because in the long run, they will send you 10 more, 10 more people because they trust you. And that reputation is way more important than that one sale. So do what's right for people and help them. Um, another question I would have too, if you're a leader out there um, or want to be a leader, is do you have a clear mission? Do you guys know what you are doing and why you are doing it? We have a mission statement that we say every single day um, or every single uh, team meeting. That is, that's how we start it. So we all realize we're on the same mission. We even put definitions on power words in our, in our mission statement, what that word means to us. Um, and it's just, it's, we have a very clear mission on what we are trying to accomplish here. And so you have to make sure that you do that. And that Amanda, do you think you can read the mission it. statement for those who can't see the screen? 
Um, oh, where are you going? Every day, our company will passionately exceed the expectations of the buyers, sellers, and agents that we serve by guiding them to have smooth, successful transactions. We will develop the careers of our family of agents and staff through hard work, integrity, and proven processes that are the best in the industry. But don't just write it. You have to make sure that your whole team or your company, whatever you have, all your people know it. <laughs> so you have to live by it. You have to breathe by it for it to matter. It's not, oh, I wrote it. I wrote, I wrote values and I wrote a mission statement and it's on the wall. Like, no, that's the start. Do you communicate in them daily? Do you improve people by the values daily? Do you um, reward them by what they did that was related to a value? Um, do you talk about your mission statement and why it's important and what it actually means? Um, there's so, I mean, you guys might not, if you can see it on the screen, like we have highlighted words on that because we have definitions of what that means. Like it starts with every day. That's a weird way to start a sentence. But our mission isn't something that we do sometimes. We do it every fucking day because we believe in it. It's not just something that we kind of half-ass. We do it passionately, right? We believe in this. We exceed the expectations of our buyers, sellers, and agents. And we serve them because we have servant leadership. We realize that it's our job. The more that we are able to serve, the better it is for them, right? So that's just breaking down a few words, but you can tell there's been a lot of thought put into that, right? Make sure that you do the same and make sure your team understands that. Number two is mindset. Education is where I want to start. Number one, we are very open about with our team about making sure that you are working on yourself. So a lot of people mistake education just meaning, oh, well, I'm going to need to teach them how to do a buyer's consult or I need to teach them how to write a contract. Yes, that's important. But you also need to teach them how to be a better person. How can they help themselves? What kind of self-development stuff is good for them? What kind of books are you guys reading? What, what are you doing and what knowledge are you feeding their brain so that they can become better? Because if they can become better, they can help more people. And so it's, there's a, so much to education. We, we use it as, a, as both sides of the fence. As internal, we, we use it as we are always going to be learning. But external, it is our responsibility to educate the public and our clients. Because we are the professionals. And we are the ones with the info and we need to educate them. Um, you also need a process. Uh, if you're going to scale, it has to be duplicatable and scalable. Um, so systems and processes, the best systems and processes in the industry is part of our mission statement. And so those are always developing. Those are something that we work on every single day. But those have to be duplicatable and scalable as you're growing, right? If you don't have a, so our receptionists have a script for how they answer the phone. Do you? Well, they know how to answer the phone. Do they answer the phone the same way every time? Because they should. Because little words matter. How does your client feel on the other end of the phone? What can you do to improve that process? Are you trying to improve it every day? Are you empowering your receptionist to say, oh, I had this person say this. I think I should say this next time. And then you update your script. Like that's a simple process that everybody can relate to. But is it duplicatable? Is it scalable? Do, if you have multiple offices, do they all answer the phone the same way? What if you have somebody else covering the front desk? Do they know how to answer? Like I, I can do this all day with any kind of process. But the point is, everything you do more than once needs a process. Or the default is chaos. In real estate, if you don't manage your time, if you don't manage your processes, you're going to run around with your hair on fire all day, every day. Right. It's already so chaotic anyway. Yep. Consistency. Um, so you had to be consistent. You, 
There is no such thing as an overnight success. It took us, what, eight, ten years to be, oh. become an overnight success? Yeah. And we're still, honestly, we still have a lot of work to do. Um, I, I, we're, not, we're not even more close to where, where we're going. But it's one of those things that it doesn't happen overnight, right? We live in this instant gratification world. There's so many people that say, well, I made my prospecting calls today and nobody answered the phone. I don't think real estate's for me. Really just one day? That's it? What if you made your prospecting calls every day for six months? What do you think the results would be? It's consistency that wins. Get out of the instant gratification world. Like, I, I love it when an agent says, well, these leads suck. If you have an agent on your team that's saying your leads suck, that's your fault as a leader. They don't understand the value of that lead. They just don't. Because the leads don't suck, how they are managed suck. Or they don't understand what that type of lead is or what the expectation is. Because... A lead is not, you're supposed to pick up the phone and call them and they answer every time you call them and they're ready to buy a house tomorrow. That's not what a lead is, right? That's, yes, we want more of that in the real estate business, but what if you could develop a process and a system where that person comes in the funnel and then by the time they're ready to buy or sell, you know for a fact you have them ready to buy or sell and you can represent them and make sure you look out for their best interest. And your agent knows how that process works from start to finish. Because your job on that phone call, again, is not to sell them. You're trying to help them. Right. So instant gratification, I like to relate that to, uh, to fitness. I mean, um, a lot of people are focused. I mean, we're at the beginning of the year, so New Year's resolutions, all that good stuff. A lot of people are trying to get healthy, which is great. I mean, um, health is very important. But you can relate business and health very similar. You don't work out for 30 minutes, and then you look in the mirror and you look different. Right. It doesn't happen. So why do you think that you can just come in one day and work your ass off in your business and all of a sudden it looks different tomorrow? It takes a while to build that momentum, right? And so there is no such thing as, uh, I don't know if we can put it on the screen here, but um, if Colin can find it. If not, make sure you guys search it. But anybody remember the 30-minute abs Domino's commercial? Like, it cracks me up because it was a commercial that they ran to say that, hey, we're... Uh, we're going to deliver in 30 minutes or it's free. Yeah. So then there's a, a skinny guy that's like, what am I going to do with my 30 minutes? And he does a 30 minute abs program and he opens the door. He's still skinny, but he's got abs. It doesn't work that way, right? It just doesn't. It takes time to develop that over, over time. And so make sure that you're consistent. Don't fall for instant gratification. Especially in this kind of business in, in real estate, because you don't spend a whole day calling, you know, as many people as you can, and, and then you're going to see the results tomorrow. Yep. That's, that's just not going to happen in real estate. You talk a lot about the 90-day uh, rule on, on the, when it comes to instant gratification. It's not about what you did today. It's uh, what you do affects what happens in 90 days from now. Yeah, so 100%. And I mean, so much so, it's not an exact science. But I challenge you, if you, don't, if you have any doubts that we live in a 90-day world in real estate, I want you to track what you do every day for the next 90 days. I want you to track every hour time block, what you do for that hour, how many calls did you make, track it for the next 90 days. Number one, you realize that you're wasting a lot of damn time, which is very important, because time is an inanimate object. You can't get any more of it. It's way more important than money. So what are you using your time on? Whole nother, whole nother podcast for that. But the 90-day rule is that what I do today affects my business, my life, my relationships, my finances, my health, whatever, 90 days from now. 
So if I, if I start this new trend where I'm gonna make, I'm gonna spend three hours a day working in my database, calling leads, whatever it is, right? And that's, that's what I'm gonna do and I do it every day consistently for 90 days. At that 90 day period, you will see momentum built. But if you expect that to happen on day three, just give up now. It's not gonna work. It takes time to build. But what's crazy is it's like pushing a snowball down a hill. Once you, it takes a while to get the snowball going, going, right? But what happens as it keeps going down the hill? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it goes faster and faster and faster. That's how success works. But you have to put in the work consistently and you gotta push it up the damn hill before you can go down it. So true. All right, let's talk about mindset. How you do anything is how you do everything. As a matter of fact, I saw Colin the Comedian put a sticker on our trash can uh, that says that with his little label maker. Um, be- that too. <laughs> because that's, that's uh, um, I might went off the handle a time or two because the trash is full and everybody thinks they're above taking it out. And that's just not how we are, who we are around here. How you do anything is how you do everything. And so if the trash is full, I don't give a fuck who you are. You need to take it out, including myself. And so it's just important, right? Like, are you the person that walks by the cart at Walmart that's out or even worse, leaves it in a damn parking lot instead of putting it where it goes? If you do that, I guarantee you, you're not fucking successful in life. If you're one of those fucking people that leaves a shopping cart in the middle of the damn parking lot, there is no chance for you to be successful in life. Fight me on it. I guarantee you. Because how you do anything is how you do everything. The little things matter in life. You can't turn the switch on and turn the switch off. People see through the bullshit. Be who you are. And make sure you're always doing the right thing. Down to every taking out the trash, carts, whatever. Um, here's a, here was a big epiphany for me, and, and I highly recommend you guys write this down and talk to your agents, talk to your team or whatever, because this you'll realize this is a true thing in business, especially in real estate. People quit doing what works because it works. I'm gonna say it again. People quit doing what works because it works. Let's use the 90-day example. All of a sudden you do the three hours a day prospecting, whatever, lead follow-up, whatever it is that you're doing in that that's productive for your business. 90 days from now, you start seeing the fruits of that labor. What are you gonna do? Most people are gonna sit back and coast and be like, well, I guess that did work, looky here. But guess what happens? That snowball starts rolling back down the hill. Starts getting smaller again. You can't quit doing what got you there. You have to keep it going to keep the momentum going. But so many people will say, oh, I did it and I'm coasting. Nope, you have to make sure to keep doing what got you there. The cool part is, especially in this business, is you can build that momentum, you can build a better skill set, you can build leverage through a team like ours to where that three hours can be shrunk into one hour because your other two hours, you're out showing properties, you're listing properties, doing other productive things, and you can keep that momentum going because you're able to leverage other things. But you have to start with that momentum. And... Don't quit doing what works just because it worked. Like it sounds simple, but if you think about anything in your life, you get in shape. I'm, I'm guilty of this. Um, when I did 75 hard, I quit doing what got me there because I got comfortable. I'm like, I'm done with that program. Don't do that. It worked. It worked, right? Don't I got in quit. good shape, my, mentally tough. I was all that. And then I just went right back down the hill because I stopped doing it. But it worked. But imagine if I would have kept doing it, what would have happened, right? Where would I be at now? All right, mindset. Leaders, listen to me for a minute, and that's all of you. Everybody's a leader, whether it's your kids, whether it's your family, whether it's to whoever. 
There's an analogy I want you to realize is you cannot push a string. If I put a string on this table right now and try to push it off, couldn't. You cannot push a string. What do you have to do to get a string to move? You gotta pull it. You gotta pull it. That's how you lead an organization, that's how you lead people, that's how you lead anything, is you have to lead from the front. You have to be able to pull them with you. If you are the one that is pushing them, that's cracking the whip, you will never have good people with you. You need to lift them up and power them. You have to pull them up with you. That quote that you said earlier, how you do anything is how you do everything, ties into that perfectly, um, like with the, the trash bit. If you're like, hey, how you do anything is how you do everything. So everyone, if you leave the trash in there, make sure that you uh, take it out. But then we see you not taking the trash out, you uh, leaving shopping carts and such like that. People around you see that and they go, okay, um, I'm not... That's not, that's not a leader because he's not doing what he's saying. And not a hundred percent correct. And let me add to that is, do you think that those people are going to now take the trash out next time? Well, if he doesn't have to, I don't either. Yeah. When you're the leader, you got to do more than everybody else, not less. That is a bigger responsibility for you to do more, be the hardest worker. You show up early, you leave late. Being a leader isn't sitting back and putting your fucking feet on the table or sipping Mai Tais on the beach. That's what you see on fucking Instagram, that they you sell you a fucking course. If you want to be a true leader, if you want to make a true movement, make a true impact in this world, you've got to lead from the front. And your people have got to know, I have a saying around here with leadership, is I will never ask you to do something I haven't done myself or am not willing to do right, right along beside you. Let's go do it together. We do something new on the team, who's the first one to fucking try it? Me. Because I'm not going to ask you to do something uncomfortable that I'm not willing to do myself. I got a little passionate about that one, huh? I love it. How's that for some fire? All right. Anyway, uh, mindset. You versus you. Too many people in this world say, well, I'll never be as good as Amanda, so I'm not even going to try. Or they compare themselves. Well, it's not fair Amanda got this. Or it's not fair Colin got that. That's a loser's fucking mindset. The only person you can control is yourself. I can't control what Amanda does. Kind of. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but you know what I mean. Like, I can't control what the competition does. So why the hell am I going to focus on it? I can only control what I do. Too many people look at external things and say, well, they'll use it as an excuse too. Well, it's not fair. They had this advantage. I'll tell you what my biggest advantage is, is being at a disadvantage. Because let me, let me paint this picture. You get somebody, say there's a, somebody that was gifted a real estate team. Sorry, the story that you had on uh, Michael Phelps, um, if you want to share that uh, and paint the picture for the audio listeners. Yeah, for sure. So um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a huge Olympics fan. I just go America, right? Um, it's just it's a patriotic event for me. And my favorite event to watch is swimming. And Michael Phelps in his heyday, I mean, if I remember correctly, has the most gold medals of all time, right? Just, it, just a, a, amazing to watch. And I remember there was, I don't remember where the guy was from, a different country, France, Italy, somewhere. Um, and he beat Michael Phelps in like a qualifier or something. And then he was just talking all kinds of shit um, and talking trash. Michael Phelps just ignored it. The reporters tried to dig. Michael Phelps ignored it, stayed above it. And I remember they were sitting in like the warm-up thing. And that guy was just staring down Michael Phelps. Just like fucking mean mugging him. And then all of a sudden, Michael Phelps just, he's in the zone. Doesn't even know this guy exists. 
And then you guys have all seen the meme, and if Colin can find it, we'll share it here. Like, I just got goosebumps. Like, because Michael Phelps was focused on him. He's the you versus you. He didn't focus on what his competition. He focused on what he could control. And if you watch that race, the finals, they finished 1-2, I believe. Maybe not. I know Michael Phelps won, and this guy didn't. But I remember watching it, and you can see clearly Michael Phelps was looking ahead. He was looking at the finish line, not looking at anybody else. This guy, the whole fucking race, was staring down Michael Phelps. He didn't even know where his lane was because he was looking on, I have to beat Michael Phelps. If this guy obviously was quick, he beat Michael Phelps in a qualifier. Right. If he would have focused on himself instead of, oh, I have to beat Michael Phelps, he could have fucking won. Yeah. But you know why Michael Phelps won? Because he said, I'm going to do the best that I can do and I'm going to run my best race. Too many people in this world are trying to run somebody else's fucking race. Run your own race. You versus you. If you can work on what you can do for yourself and improve yourself day in and day out, who gives a fuck what anybody else thinks? It's you versus you, right? Work on yourself. And don't let other people influence what you're working on. Run your own race. You're part of your own journey. And the right people in your life will respect that and help lift you up through that. But don't... so. Another thing I see people do there is they will be like, so I have a brand new real estate agent. Reach out to me and ask for help, right? To be honest, I'm not the best person to help that person. Somebody that is better to help them, is here's why, is because I'm further along in my journey than them and it's I don't remember what it's like to sell my first house. What if they were actually able to reach out to somebody that was somewhere that was after, just finished their first year and had a great year. You know what I do? I connect them to somebody on my team that is in that part of the journey because they can help them through that more than I can. But a lot of people will look and they, so courage, the courage for those people to reach out is awesome. But the other side of that is there's other people that are afraid to reach out to others to ask for help. And they'll use that as an excuse to not do anything in life because why well, can never be this good? Why am I even gonna try? And I'll just tell you right now, I started from absolute fucking zero and I'm doing okay. And I'm trying to help more people because there's this false narrative out there that's by all these coaches and all these fucking gurus that you have to have this, you have to be born with a silver spoon and you have to have have all this money. You don't have to. I'm fucking proof of it. And I'm trying to help you accomplish the same damn thing. You know where it starts? Look at the person in the mirror. Are you working on that person every single day? Are you getting better? Because without that, none of the none of the rest of the shit matters. All right, um, no negativity. This none. is a, none. I don't allow it. Amanda doesn't either. No. And so this is such a big rule for us that there is family members. See ya, love you, but I don't have the brain space. We only have so much capacity. There's only so much things, so many things we can focus on. And like I said, time is more important than money. Time, you, own, you have a limited amount of time. There is unlimited supplies of money. There's, you only have so much time. And so, what are you doing with your time? If you're spending it around people that are pulling you down, you're, you're going to become that person. Go back to the very beginning. You are who you hang around. Yeah. So, I look at people, and this, this sounds cruel, and I don't mean it this way, but this is the best analogy I can think of, is people in my life are either an anchor or they're a propeller. I want to add propellers to my life, not anchors. I want people that are going to help propel me forward, help me go faster versus drag me and slow me down. Well, and the mindset that it puts you in whenever you're always around negative people, um, 
it's it's just it's, it sucks the life out of you. I mean, yeah. it puts you in a bad mood whenever we've had people that we've worked with before that were very negative, and I quickly noticed my attitude the whole day while I was at work. I was always in this like slump and wasn't motivated or excited. It it just completely affects your whole mood whenever you're always thinking about the negative stuff. Yeah, it's and like yeah, that's a great analogy for. You only have so much brain space. And so if you fill it with negativity, guess what stays in there? Negativity. And then you project that on other people. And so I just removed it all. I just, sure, everybody has bad days. I get it. I'm not saying you right. say a negative comment, I'm kicking out my life. <laughs> let's be real here, right? But it's at the same time, if you keep coming to me with that, and if you're somebody that I care about in my life, we're going to have an honest conversation about, hey, you need to work on your negative shit, right? And I'm going to help you through that. And if you decide not to work through that, then that's on you. But I gave you an option. I just yeah. I just don't have the brain space for it. Sorry. And if you're able to do that in the right way, don't be an asshole about it. But if you're able to do that in the right way, you'll help lift the right people up. And then you also those other people that don't maybe take immediate action, eventually they will realize it. And you may have been the one to open their eyes and help them through that, right? Yeah. Because nobody wants to be negative. No. But everyone but the, deserves the one to have a better that, quality uh, of life. That stood out to you, Matt, was the are you trying to be a millionaire? That negative piece of um, saying who, who was that? Yeah. So I remember I was in my success journey and, um, quit the sawmill, ran into some, uh, member of my family. Um, and literally, um, I just gotten into real estate and their first, very first comment to me was, well, you're not even a broker, are you? Like very condescending. I'm like, no, I'm sure not. I'm just a real estate salesperson. They're like, oh, <laughs> And then the conversation went on and another thing went at the very end was, well, what are you doing? You're going to try to be a millionaire and laughed in my face. Guess what? I don't go to those family dinners anymore. It just not, I don't want to be around it. Like it, do you, what good is that person going to do for your life? None. And again, it's a mindset. You surround yourself with people like that all the time. Then you start, you know, you start believing those things. Yep. Well, I guess I really am, you know, I'm not a whole, I'm not a broker. I'm just, I'm just a real estate agent. And well, yeah, I mean, I do live in small town. I probably won't be a millionaire. hundred percent. And it, I caught myself going through those things. And at the time we were still in our financial struggles, part of our journey. And it was uh, like, that person was right. Who the fuck am I to think that I could be a millionaire? Or I could be successful in real estate. Who am I to think that? I don't know, but I accomplished it. You know why? Because we can all accomplish more than we think. And so that's a perfect example of don't let others' negativity, limiting beliefs, their self-reflection of what they're sad about in their lives be a reflection on you. That's what people are doing when they're being negative. Is They are projecting their own insecurities on you. And so I feel sorry for those people. It used to piss me off, but I've, I've kind of grown up a little bit in some aspects. Um, and it, it's... I just feel sorry for those people because they're never going to accomplish anything major in life because they have those insecurities that they're not willing to have the you versus you mindset. And they don't look in the mirror and say, the problem is me. Yeah. And how can I fix it? Instead, they project those insecurities on others. Yeah. All right, mindset. So this real estate podcast is called All or Nothing in Real Estate because if you adopt the all or nothing mindset and mentality, it will change your life. Whatever you do, jump in with both feet. 
Don't half-ass it. Too many real estate agents. I hear it all the fucking time. All the time. Real estate agents are the worst. Oh, there's this new software. There's this new tool. There's this new tech. And they fall for shiny object syndrome. So, but those don't work 99% of the time for a couple reasons. Number one, you need to master the, the main stuff that you need to focus on and quit focusing on too many other things. But number two is because you expect that to be the magic bullet. You expect that new tech, that new whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. Insert, insert anything that you want that's new in your business you're trying to implement. You think that's going to be the magic bullet to solve all your problems. And I'm here to tell you, your problems are your problems, not that fucking text problem. And so that's not going to fix it. Until you look in the mirror and fix your own shit, that's not going to fix it for you. And most people will just say, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to try it. I hate that fucking word. I don't allow try. I don't. Nobody tries anything around me. You either do it or you don't. Are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? There is no in the middle. There is no try. It's yes or no. And if you're going yes, go all in. All cards on the table. Otherwise, it's not a priority to you. Don't do it. If you're able to adopt that mentality instead of dibbling and dabbling in this and this and this, it will absolutely change your life. Because then what happens is whatever it is that you are doing, you are giving it your full fucking attention. You're not trying it. You're doing it. You're doing it at the best of your capability 100% of the time. And then, guess what? That new tech or whatever, it probably will work out because you gave it your all. But if you just expect it to just plug and play and I'm just going to try this, it's not going to work. You can't half-ass it and have it work. So anything you do in life, make sure that you're willing to give it your all. Or don't do it at all. All or nothing. All or nothing. Um, Too many people also um, overestimate the short term and they underestimate what they can accomplish in the long term. So what I mean by that is people think, well... I'll just push that off till tomorrow and I can do, I can do two days work tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Well, what they underestimate too, is that the power of tomorrow today is extremely powerful, but the power of 365 tomorrows is 365 times the power of what you're doing today. And so when you, you're making some, a goal for what I'm going to do a year from now, most people underestimate it. But most people think tomorrow I can do this and I can do it for a short, short burst. So they overestimate what they can do tomorrow and they underestimate what they can do in a long period of time. So what that causes is now you say, I've got to do it all in a day. So I've got all these things to do and I've got to make all of this happen tomorrow. Well, that adds stress, overwhelm. You're not going to do it to your fullest capability. Sure, maybe you can get it done one day. But is that can you do that two days in a row? Can you do that two weeks in a row? Two months in a row? Yeah, I mean, how long can you last? Because the consistency is what wins. And consistently winning the day every single day is what matters. And so I've, I use a system that I stole from Andy Frisella, which if you're listening to this podcast, you need to listen to his because he's way better um, at this stuff. A lot of the stuff I adopted from him. Um, he's a mentor of mine, um, part of his Arte Syndicate group, and um, an amazing guy giving back. He inspired, he's part of what inspired this podcast just because he's helped me level up in life and hopefully I can share the wealth. And so he developed a system called a power list. And so what it is is five critical tasks that you do every day. And so you develop all of these tasks and we'll do another episode that dives down deeper on this. But essentially what it is, it's five critical tasks you need to accomplish today. And that's, that's it. But it has to be a critical task. There's a, there's a little method behind it. So it can't be, oh, I've got to send one email. 
like unless that email was an extremely crucial email that takes time to develop, et cetera, right? But it needs to be something that is a critical task that is gonna move you forward towards your goals for that day. And it needs to be measurable, right? And so if the power of doing those things and realizing, all right, I've got a to-do list of 50 things. But if you prioritize that to these are the five that are most important, you're not gonna be in stress and overwhelm, right? It makes a huge, huge difference. And so we'll break that down in another episode. Um, and this is a, a phrase um, that I've got to give Colin a hard time on. We were talking about this yesterday. Colin, you need to remember tomorrow. Remember tomorrow. So Colin didn't quite understand it. It's a double negative, but it's my way of telling people that I want you to think about tomorrow today. Because you're going to wake up, if you procrastinate, which all of us do as human beings, but if you wake up tomorrow are you going to be ha- happy and proud of yourself for today? Or are you going to wake up and be like, oh shit, now I got two days worth of work. Now I got three days worth of work, right? It's going to add to your stress, add to your overwhelm, and you're going to be way less productive. So remember tomorrow. That's a huge phrase that helps me accomplish. If I got something that I don't want to really do, I use that phrase because tomorrow I'm going to be proud of myself when I wake up and I look in that mirror. All right, he did it. Wasn't, didn't want to, but did it anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about mental toughness. Amanda, you said earlier that that was, um, you thought that that was the most important one. Why do you, why do you think that? Well, just because no one has an easy life. I mean, on a, I'm sure everyone on a weekly basis, you can't go a full week without something, you know, not going in your favor, having a bad day. Um, I think I've, I've talked to the team about this before too. You know, it's, whether it's just being late for work, um, getting stuck in traffic, spilling coffee on yourself. Like you just, you can't go, you can't go very long without something, some kind of hiccup. But there's also big ones too. You know, people experience all kinds of things like, you know, our story. Um, and you, you, you have to have some sort of mental toughness to push you past that. I, I mean, you, you end up just, if we didn't have that, I, I don't know where we would have been when I said earlier in our really, really rough days in the beginning. I mean, it was, you have to figure this out or the alternative. I mean, I, we're not going to sit here and starve to death. You have to have some kind of mental toughness or you, you end up just literally not moving at all in your life. If you didn't have the mental toughness that you guys had, you would have given up many times below. Heck, you would have given up day three. Yeah, Absolutely. But everyone has to be able to have, you know, figure out how to have some of that. And everyone does have some of that, but like really have some of that. So here's when you get knocked down, what do you do? Yeah, no one, no one on this earth has just an easy life. They just walk through their entire life. Just, I was just so easy. No one does. But here's the thing. There's people out there that are probably thinking, well, I don't have any. Well, guess what? It's a skill. Develop it. Work on it. Focus on it. All of these things are skills that you can develop. Do you think I was just born with this mental toughness? No, it's something I focused on. It's something that is important to me because I realize it's going to help me accomplish my goals for me and my family. Right? And so it's all of these. You're not born with this shit. These are skills that are developed. It's important to note that. It's a muscle. You need to start exercising it. So the next time that you have one of those things that knocks you down, instead of just letting it uh, stay there, Look at it as an opportunity. Say, how can I exercise this muscle of mental toughness right now? All right, I'm going to get back up. And you'll, you'll grow that muscle. Yeah, right. love it. 
All right, so mental toughness. I got a, a tough question to ask you guys, just a little challenge here, is if you were the boss of you, would you fire yourself or would you give yourself a raise? I hate that question. <laughs> right? It's a good one. It's great. Everybody can, re I can relate to it. There's some days where I don't deserve a raise. There's some days where I'm like, shit, I need to make more money. I killed today. Yeah. Right? But if you're able to ask yourself that and self-reflect, just think about that for a minute. Is if you were the boss of you, especially if you're a leader, you better have way more give me a raise days than fire yourself days. Um, otherwise, you're not going to be looked at in the light that you need to be from your team. And so, um, but it goes for every aspect, no matter where you are in life, is if you can just step back and, and really ask yourself that question and m work towards, I, I'd, I'd do a great job. If I was the boss of me, I'd pat myself on the back. Like that's where everybody wants to be. But it's a tough question to self-reflect on and it makes you really think. So I think it's a great question. I do too. And another thing too is that with mental toughness is every single day you're, you're getting better, you're getting worse. Right? It's one of those things that it's, it's not, oh, I'm mentally tough and I'm good now. Like Colin said, it's a muscle, right? Yeah. It's something that it's, it's either getting better, you're, growing, you're, you're building more muscle, or it's deteriorating. You're getting worse every day. And so you're either growing or dying. Your mental toughness is getting better or it's getting worse. Yeah. So it's going to do one of the two, period. You're in control. Which one do you want? I choose to have it grow and get better every day. Yeah. You know, those people that, um, those people, um, you've probably, I mean, you probably know someone that, you know, a friend or someone that just had like a really rough upbringing or, you know, they've experienced a, a lot of grief recently. You know, there's people out there that they lose their mom and then the next, you know, week they're losing their <coughs> aunt or, you know, another relative and then they're losing their job. And it's, you know, a lot of things like that. And if you think back to those people, like those are some of the like most mentally tough people that I can think of. And whenever you have conversations with them on a bad day, like think about how they're speaking to you and they're saying things like, yeah, but... You know, I still have oh, this. Like don't even give me start on the yeah buts. I hate yeah buts. <laughs> no, I'm talking about in a positive way. Like, oh. oh, yeah, this is bad. But, you know, on a positive note, they've built that mental toughness. And so okay. people gotcha. people that do, you know, experience a lot of hard times, like, like we did over and over and over, and you feel like you just can't get a break, those are typically the people that have a lot of that mental toughness. They've yeah. had to work that muscle so sure. much. Yeah, that's talking about that victor slash victim uh, mindset. Instead yeah. of going, everything is happening to me. Oh, this and this and this. They're saying, yeah, this is happening, but this is a great opportunity to grow. This is a great uh, way to... So nothing, nothing in life happens to you. Everything happens for you. Think about that for a minute. It's true. All right, so um, I'm going to share a story. I saw it as a meme somewhere, but it was, um, and maybe Colin can find this picture to share if you're watching on video, but it was a picture of a very successful businessman and a picture of a homeless man sitting side by side. And somebody helped me out with the story. Um, does anybody remember it? How does it start? Yeah. Uh, the dad was an alcoholic, I believe. Yep. They're brothers. Yeah, so they're brothers, and so here we go. So they were in a, um, they were in, they were in an interview, and a reporter called and said, said, "You're a very successful businessman. Um, you're 
CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you make all this money, you help all these people, what do you contribute your success to? And he said, well, my dad was an alcoholic. And I realized what I didn't want in life, and I wanted more. The homeless man, they interviewed, these. come to find out these guys are brothers, but they, they interviewed the homeless guy and said, hey, so you're homeless, you're, you're struggling, how, how did you end up this, like begging for food, begging for money? He said, when my dad, my dad was an alcoholic, I never had a chance. They had the same damn dad, same damn opportunities, but how do you react to that adversity, right? These were twin brothers, and one ended up homeless, and one ended up super, super successful. And both of them contribute their success and their misfortunes to the same damn thing. Yeah. Always love that story. It's... I get goosebumps. Right? Um, so mental toughness, you got to be gritty. You got to be able to push through, right? When tough times don't last, tough people do. So um, just quit whining, push through, make it better. It doesn't have to get better by itself. Go hiding in a ball doesn't make it better. Um, you've got to face it head on and you've got to work through it. One of the things that's really helped me um, is, and I learned this from Andy Frisella as well when I was doing 75 Hard, is a production pivot. And so what a production pivot is, is all of us have internal dialogue in the language we talk to ourselves, right? And so say it's uh, my alarm went off at 5.30 this morning. I didn't want to get up. I wanted to hit snooze, right? Like my internal dialogue says, oh, just hit snooze. It'll be okay. But what I've taught myself, and I'm not perfect, but most of the time I've taught myself to whenever I have that instant like negotiating with myself, I hope you guys all understand what I'm talking about, is everybody negotiates with themselves. Mm -hmm. I know I need to do this. Yeah, but, right? Or, well, I could just do this, or I could just do that, or I could do that tomorrow, or it's not really that important. It, it, It is. It is important. That's why you wanted to do it in the first place, right? And so... Time is very important. And so what I've taught myself is anytime that my, I try my, myself starts negotiating with myself, meaning, oh, you can just hit the snooze button. Or you've worked out four days this week. The fifth one doesn't really matter. Like, or you don't need to, you don't need to have that meeting with those agents today. Like, you can do that tomorrow. It's the instant, I mean, the fucking second that I start thinking about negotiating with myself, my brain has taught itself to be like, nope. Right now, whatever it is, go do it. Don't wait. Don't schedule it. Right now, take action. And if you're able to do that, and you be, you're able to catch yourself negotiating with yourself, you're trying to talk yourself out of something that you know you need to do. Yeah. Right. And that's a terrible spot to be. And so I think we can all relate with that. But if I can teach you something from that, is again, I'm not perfect. But the times that I'm able to recognize that and in an instant flip the script, be like, nope, I got to do it right now. Drop whatever I'm doing and do it because it's that important versus making the excuse. That's a production pivot because now I'm I'm pivoting to be very productive, right? And it makes a big, big difference and it will absolutely help you propel in life. You guys have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think of it like a your lazy voice. You got those little shoulder angels. You got your little bevel and your little angel. Each time you got the one going, hey, you can just take a little bit more time or, you know, what's a big deal about this? Instead, when you start to recognize that voice on a regular basis, it becomes louder. Um, you start to be able to hear it on a uh, more often. You're like, oh, wait, that's that's my lazy voice talking. That's uh, so I should stand up to that. Yep. 
So I've got a better phrase for lazy voice uh, <laughs> that, that, that I learned from Andy. That's your bitch voice. You have a bitch voice and you have a boss voice. Which one are you going to listen to? Right? And so, but it's important to note on all of that is that you, you need to understand the value in being able to self-reflect and fix this stuff internally. And so if you're able to self-discover for yourself, all right, this is my bitch voice talking, and you're able to adjust immediately, nothing in this world is off limits. Because you will, you will realize quickly how much shit you talk yourself out of on a daily basis. It's insane. Yeah. When you start to hear it, you, uh, I know for me it, it was uh, surprising and humbling to hear how often I was uh, having that voice on a regular basis. I was like, yeah. wait, this is happening all the time. Yep. And then, then when it starts happening, then you can actually, once you realize it, it yeah. changes your life. Yeah the, first, yeah, the first start part is to recognize it, right? And then you got to take action. But the more action you take, the easier it becomes to recognize. It's a, it's a snowball again, right? Um, and then we've talked about this a lot, but um, use bad things that happen in your life as fuel. And so to Collins, um, bad guy and good guy on his shoulder, I use that analogy for this, is that I have bad things that have happened in my life that I have as that motivation for that. It's a really dark place. I really need to get this done, but I'm just not feeling it. And then I'll remember the people that have laughed in my face or the people that have done things that say, it's, to be honest, it's a negative form of motivation, but I need that at times. That's all I used to have. What got me from complete rock bottom to rookie of the year was nothing but negativity. But what I realized during that journey is you also need to spread in, living in that negativity motivation world is not where you want to stay. If you're able to sprinkle in some good stuff and realize, yeah, I still have that. And there's still people I have to prove wrong, right? There's still, there is still that negative side of that stuff, right? That'll never go away. But what I've been able to add to it is now I'm able to find the good guy on the other shoulder that is, well, you're doing this so you can help this person and this person and this person change their life. Think about these positive stories that have happened and how you want to do that with more people, right? And if you're able to find that, find that mixture, I've, that's, that's been the happy spot for me. Well, it's just like the brothers. I mean, you can't, you can't just dwell on all those yeah. bad things. Sure. I mean, that, that brings you, there's no use. Yep. You get nothing out of that. It works. It's hella motivation, but it's not a healthy spot to stay. Right. For sure. The two great motivators is they are pain and, pain and pleasure. Um, so being able to have, you need both. Yep. You need to have something that's chasing you behind uh, to keep you moving that you're afraid of and also something to move you uh, forward beyond just the fear. Yep, absolutely. All right, and the last, last uh, um, item is people. Um, and probably most important is because you can't do anything great in this world without great people, period. And so um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I don't know about you. I want to go fast and far, but I'd rather go far than fast. I, want, I, I don't know about you, but I plan on being in this world for a long time. And so do I just want to do a short burst? be successful and then hit a roadblock? And do I want to actually build something that can compound and help more people over time? I choose the second. I want to go far. Um, you also have to invest in your people. I, I remember Jack um, would start every single meeting and he'd point at everybody, put his hands on his hip. You're all replaceable. Every single one of you, you're all replaceable. Like, How do you start meeting Every like single that? meeting like... started that way. 
like we're sitting in the room and he's pointing at everybody going around the room and okay thanks like like how do you you want people to be scared of you that's why you want them to work for you i just i chose to go the exact opposite is people are not replaceable in my organization they're my number one asset without the great people none of this is possible and so you have to invest in your people so make sure that you realize your people are your number one asset don't take that too far and let your people walk all over you, which I've done before because of the bad past. I've learned that at the end of the day, I'm not going to be a hostage in my own business. So be careful finding that line, but realize that you can't do anything great without people, right? And now I've got a question for all of you. And I want you, if you're listening to this, I want you to take a break and really listen. This is a huge question. I have people ask me all the time, what if you invest in your people and they leave you? It's a great question. What if I invest in my people, they take all the knowledge, all the training, everything I gave them, and they leave? It's a legitimate concern. There's a lot that goes into training people. But I've got a better question for you. What if you don't and they stay? What kind of organization would you have if you don't invest in your people and they stay? So what's your option? Do the right thing, invest in your people. And if you take care of them, they'll take care of you. And um, so we talked about leadership. Leadership is a passion of mine. I'm working every day to become a better leader. Um, but I also want you to realize you don't have to be in a leadership title to be a leader. Right. You don't have to wear the name leader or CEO or whatever on your name tag to be a leader. Leadership's an action, not a position. Leadership is something that you earn through action. Everybody knows leaders in organizations that don't have a title of leaders. There's several of them in our company. You need those people because organizations don't grow from the top down. They grow from the bottom up. And so what I mean by that is you need great people in your organization that are spreading leadership up. And so you have to make sure you're able to identify that and reward that. Um, focus on your people over profit. I mean, that's something we've talked about is... Um, at times in our business, we're getting better. At times in our business, we didn't even have a P&L. Um, it was, you know what, how many, how many homes did we sell? We were able to help this many people get in new homes, this many people sell their homes, and we had this many agents that we were able to help. Cool. Yeah. We, tra- we still track it by how many people are we, are we going to help. So we say, so I, as an example, our internal language is last year we sold 766 homes. We don't say that. We served 766 families. Right. And so that your internal dialogue matters. Um, And so make sure you're focusing on your people over profit. Yes, we have a for profit business. We've gotten better. But without the people, the profit doesn't matter. So people first. And then make sure you have core values. We talked we already hit on that. But your core values, you have to live, breathe and communicate by them. Right. It's not a it's not something that you say like your core values are not something you just put on the wall. You talk about them once like you live and breathe, teach, coach, improve, discipline everything by your core values. That way, everybody understands what it is that is important with them. And well, just like them. we had said earlier, that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Your company's culture is the average of your core values, honestly, and of those people themselves. And at the standards that you uphold them. 100%. For the people uh, who are uh, listening via audio, can you uh, list off the core values that Matt Smith Real Estate Group has? Yeah, so we have integrity, go the extra mile, stay humble, be disciplined, take initiative, build positive and fun relationships, education, believe, accept responsibility, and be selfless. So can other people steal those for their own? Absolutely. 
<laughs> However, I, 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 ch- I be careful because your values need to be yours. What is important to you and your team and what does that mean? Yes. So what I mean by that is values aren't just something we say, it's something we live by. And so each one of our values has a definition. And so we don't just talk about integrity, we talk about what integrity means to us and why it's important. We don't just talk about education, but we talk about why we need to educate people, why we're always learning internally, right? We talk about all of these things and we have a definition of what it means versus it just being a word on the wall. So absolutely, steal away. If you like them, go for it. I mean, I didn't make them up. Um, so feel free to steal them. However, you need to make them your own and you need to make sure that ties into your culture, your, your community. The law of reciprocity is something that has really had a huge impact on my life. And it's, again, another reason I'm doing this right here is that I've realized in life, the more that you give, the more you get. And so make sure that you give with no expectation of anything in return. If you're able to do that, you will seek so many rewards in your life that are way more than financial. Um, financial may be part of it, but the fulfillment that you get and gratification that you get of actually helping people by giving is uh, it's just unmatched. Oh, we just kind of hit on this. Some other notes here is culture. Culture always has to come first, right? Culture over sales. Um, and and this this is a, a kind of a, a key point here too. Is that I remember we were adopting some new things in leadership as we're uh, preparing for growth. And um, one of the the uh, the guy that came in and kind of helped us as a consultant said, uh, "All right, we need to find a core focus." What is the core focus of Matt Smith Real Estate Group? And I kind of sat in the background on purpose. I wanted to see what the leadership team kind of talked about and discussed. And I'm happy to say that they came up with a perfect core focus. And it's uh, it just humbles me to really just think that the vision that I had has come so true and carried along to our leadership and our team that we realize what we do here at Matt Smith Real Estate Group, we're not a real estate company. Our core focus is changing lives. And that's what we do every single day. Whether that's internal, whether that's external, whether that's making our communities better, there's so many different ways that we do that. And it's, it's, uh, it's amazing when you have that feeling and that culture. And a lot of the stuff that we taught you about how we've done what we've done, we'll kind of break that down for you, for you to see what, what your focus is for your team. But what I've found is that if you focus just on the sales, the money, whatever, it's, it's not tangible, right? It's yeah, it's cool, to, it's cool to have all the records and the accolades, and it's cool to make money. I like money. I'm not against money, but don't focus just on money. If you focus on other things, more money, more opportunities will come. At the, the saying that you have culture over sales, I think that you had an example um, when you had a, a top producer on the team, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, that wasn't fitting the culture? Yeah, we actually had uh, – um, there's a story that goes along with that too. Culture over sales is um, – thank you for bringing that up, Colin, is I remember when the team was still a baby. It was still an idea phase. Um, and we had a few people on the team. We had a new person come on the team, and um, they went out to lunch. Um, and I remember when they came, I, did, I wasn't able to go. I was doing something. Um, and they came back, and I remember one of the team members coming to me and say, hey, I want you to know what happened at lunch. And I'm like, okay. Um, so the new person came in and started talking badly about somebody else on the team when they weren't there. And right in the middle of lunch, somebody stopped and said, whoa, we don't do that here. We don't gossip about our teammates. If you have a problem with them, we're happy to have this conversation, but they need to be here for this. Would you like for me to set up a meeting? 
Isn't like, that awesome? I just got goosebumps. Like whenever I heard that story, that's when I knew, all right, this isn't bullshit anymore. Like this is a real thing and it's, it's gaining traction because people want and are begging for an environment yeah. like this because there's so many terrible workplaces out there, especially in the real estate business where there's cutthroat and all that. And so it's, it's when you have a culture like that, it's just, it's unmatched. I mean, people want to be a part of it. All right. And so, um, we also actually quick note before, uh, forget with the, the culture of sales piece there. And you end up having to say goodbye to one of your people. Yep, that's, that's what, what I was getting ready to talk about. about. Yep. Oh, okay, my bad. Yep. So, um, so they're also the part of the culture is that we say it's what's best for the culture is best for all of us, right? And it's not necessarily about it's culture first, not sales. And so there was a time on our team um, that we had to let go of a very high producer on the team, and we just said sorry, it's just not a good fit. You're not a good fit for our values, and. and it's not what we're looking for in a team. Um, and I mean, financially, it was a terrible business move at the time. Right. But we believed that what's best for the, are we, are we going to be imposters? Are we going to actually, all these values, all this stuff that we're preaching about, are we, are we imposters? Or are we actually going to follow through on it? And I think that was the first big move on the team that we did that like showed a message to everybody. Like we're not bullshitting here. We mean this. Yeah. You want to talk about that at all? Oh, I, was, I was just sitting I can, here. I can see you're thinking. thinking. Yeah, I, I was just remembering all of it. Um, yeah, it was definitely a big, a big moment because we do preach it all the time, and we talk about our core values all the time, and we, you know, our mission statement, and no negativity and gossip and things like that. And, and pe- people would hear that a lot, but actually being able to prove it to everyone. Yep. Um, that was a huge turning point for our team. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Right. Yep. Yeah, everyone kind of you could you could feel it in the room. Everyone was just kind of like, "Wow, they actually take this very serious." And if I was thinking about being a little gossipy, I'm absolutely not going to now because this is what's you know to come but also after that person left um everyone in the team was so relieved oh thank goodness gosh i'm so glad you finally you know did that like it was this cancer that we didn't even know about and and then afterwards i mean the team ended up you know excelling way more and just soaring after that so yeah it's it's a tough decision to make but you gotta just realize what what's important Right. And, and we just decided the culture, culture over sales isn't something we say, it's something we mean. Yeah. And it was just our opportunity to prove it. And because of that, because our culture is always number one, and we're able to get our people to buy into our culture and they understand if they don't, they're not going to be part of our company. Right. It's, it's just one of those things that, and that's perfectly fine if it's not for them. It's not for everybody, but the people that are here, they need to buy in hundred percent. Right. And it's because we have created a culture where the culture polices itself now. Like we, we aren't, we aren't just coworkers, right? Like we literally, I feel like everybody on the team is a part of my family and I would do anything for any of them and they would same across the board. Right. Like it's, it's even as we've grown. And I remember I was speaking in Lake Tahoe and um, was talking about culture and, and somebody challenged me with a great question and said, well, if you're talking about all this growth that you're getting ready to have, aren't you afraid that your culture is going to get worse? 
Or what are you going to do when your culture suffers, I think was the question. And my response to that is that's a fantastic question. But let me challenge you back. Who says when you grow your culture has to get worse? Now I have more people that believe in the vision, that believe in the culture. We have more police officers policing the culture. How come it can't get better? Why can't it? You just assume it's going to get worse? Well, it probably will if you don't intentionally try to make it better, right? And so I think what adding people can actually make your culture better, better as long as they understand the vision and buy into it, right? Um, so because of that, we have, I mean, we literally have a great work family. I mean, so much so that we're going to an all-inclusive resort with all of them um, yeah. in a couple of days um, to celebrate an amazing year. Um, so um, let's wrap up here. It's been a very long show. Um, but so today, here we are. So we have, we now have three locations. Um, we are, uh, we're a part of a national TV show. We're ranked number 15 in the nation. Um, that was before 2021's crazy growth. So who knows where we'll end up. Um, Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies. And um, I was able to, now I'm a part of uh, Cheplak Select Coach, which has been a passion of mine to be able to help more people doing all or nothing real estate to give back to others. Um, it's just been a crazy journey. It's been a good one. Yeah, so... Uh, Guys that are, list, that are still listening, I just want to ask you, what is your core focus? What are you focused on on a daily basis? What do you want to accomplish? Because mine is changing lives. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of All or Nothing in Real Estate. If you found anything this valuable, please share this with your friends. All or Nothing in Real Estate is a passion project of mine. This business has done so much for me and my family, and this is my way to give back. I'm also a real estate coach with Cheplak Select Coaching. So if you are interested in having a coaching consultation with me, please check out the link below. All or Nothing in Real Estate is not just a podcast. It is a movement. It is a community of contribution that is single-handedly designed to help change the real estate community in a positive way. So make sure you're following us on all social, social platforms and subscribe to us on YouTube. Most importantly, make sure you've requested to join All or Nothing in Real Estate's private Facebook group. That is a private group that we keep in exclusive content and we do it in a private setting to make sure it remains a community of contribution. There's a lot of great in-depth content there for free. So please make sure you join that group as well. And again, thank you guys so much for listening. If you found this of value, please share this with your friends. It is my goal to give back and contribute to make this industry better for all of us. Thanks again.